Hello, friends. It's Mac and Carol. Welcome back to Happy Sad Talk Thing. This is episode two. Uh, last week I put out episode one with Jack DeMeo. Um, and I really just had no idea what to expect from the world at all, you know? Um, I mean, I just kind of said, fuck it, and recorded it. And, uh, you know, slapped it together and uploaded it. And uh, just very nervous. <laughs> Hitting upload, being like, oh my god, fucking did I talk about vegetables for 25 minutes? <laughs> um, but man, I was really just fucking stoked and touched um, by the response that I got from people. And I got texts from old friends and uh, just messages from people that, uh, that were all just very encouraging. Um, and there's just enough people for me to uh, continue to do this every week. So just fucking thanks a million for uh, helping me do this. So just by listening, you're, uh, you're my goddamn hero. So hooray to you, good sir. I hope you're doing all right in the world. Um, you know, my little world is, uh, it's going all right, you know. I'm always telling myself that I'm in transition, you know, which is an interesting idea. Um, it's more interesting idea of the idea of not being in transition, you know, uh, which is an illusion that I <laughs> cling to so hard, you know, the idea that I'm going to arrive at some fucking place, you know. And I'm going to suddenly be like, oh, now I'm the 20-year-old version of myself that I was supposed to be. You know, I just needed to get around that corner or do that thing <laughs> or evolve slightly in this way. And like, ah, isn't it so nice to finally be the person I, you know, tell myself I'm supposed to be? Um, because it's never that. It's <laughs> it's always a transition. And, and whenever these little turbulent blips come up in my life, um, you know, relationships, family stuff school stuff work stuff whatever you know i'm always like uh-oh i can you believe that things are changing <laughs> you know i'm always so shocked by that the the fact that life can happen to you you know um and uh like the uh, the idea that it ever wouldn't you know is hilarious and um yeah, you know, shit changes, and uh, <laughs> it's just a matter of, uh, for me, figuring out, you know, riding the roller coaster and being like, to what extent can I steer this motherfucker, you know? Like, how much control do I have? Control is a very interesting word with, like, you know, positive and negative connotations to it. Um, and I think that there's, like, there are there's shit that you can do, you know what I'm saying? You can definitely grab the reins to some extent. Um, you know, and do shit. And uh, I think a lot of your own happiness and, and shit is a result of, you know, your actions and your uh, your attitude, man. Um, but a lot of it is just fucking isn't. <laughs> you know, a lot of it is your fucking brain chemistry and a lot of it is fucking circumstance and just cosmic, just fucking entropy, you know? <laughs> Ah, oh, man, uh, I got in a car crash this week. I got in another car crash. I'm fine. Everyone involved is, like, totally healthy and fine. But um, my car's not fine. <laughs> my car's fucked up, man. Um, and it's just a car, you know. This happened about a week ago. Um, and uh, it was crazy, you know. I was definitely just at a point where I was sort of tapping out emotionally. Um, I mean, not like 
giving up on the world or anything and, and, and not, you know, participating in life. Like I was still getting up and showering and shit and putting my clothes on and, and doing, uh, you know, what I had to do as, as responsibility wise. But I mean, I was really just like, <laughs> if you can emotionally limp, I was emotionally fucking limping, like just waiting for the next thing just to rest and just to get my fucking <laughs> get my bearings man um but once again wrapped up in that idea of transition of like ah, when's the next you know foothold you know um and i'm driving home and i'm listening to the kings of leon with my two friends and uh driving up the parking structure i was i was picking up the car that day from the body shop because it had been in the body shop for two months for a previous accident that I had gotten in. Um, and I'm not a horrible driver. I consider myself a pretty good driver. I know that the last 30 seconds <laughs> make it seem like I'm a horrible driver. Um, but no, someone rear-ended me on the 10. Uh, and I, j- I had just gotten this car, literally. I was driving it to my home. <laughs> just got in the car. Um, and then this guy smashed into me on the 10. His insurance company took care of the whole thing. Uh, it was his fault. Super sweet guy. But... uh you know, shit happens, whatever. Um, anyways, all the time later, I get the car back. I'm, this is last week. I'm like, oh, I got my car back, hooray! Um, I'm driving home. I'm listening to the Kings of Leon. Fucking life is good. And I'm like, fucking yes, you know, here I go. I'm doing it. I'm living life. Smash! Fucking smash! I'm going up a parking structure. And uh, this fucking girl... <laughs> swings around i'm going upward she's going downward um and it's a eight-story uh structure so it's like and it's like narrow so like it takes a while to get down um but you know like if you're going up there's like an outside lane where people coming down would be you know theoretically uh driving in and you'd be on the inside one if you were approaching like a right hand turn on like a spirally up thing um and she, like, you know, was zipping down and cutting the corners and shit and going way too fast and uh, just didn't see my car. And just as I was coming up on the turn, she had, like, you know, almost completed it and just fucking slammed into the car. And uh, so that was a huge bummer. Um, but the biggest bummer to me, I mean, not only was it, like, just fucking irony of the universe, like, oh, <laughs> I, I had the thought. I was like, how funny would it be if I got in another car crash right now? <laughs> Turns out, uh, not funny at all, you know? I was definitely, I mean, I'm still, it's funny now, because I can, you know, sort of reflect on it, and uh, I'm physically fine, and she is too, and so are my friends. Um, I'm still dealing with the insurance things, and they're trying to figure out who uh, was wrong, and all of that fun stuff. Uh, but, um, yeah, the the part that made me the most angry was that, she wasn't sorry. She wasn't, like, concerned. She just got out. Um, and this is inevitably probably a defense mechanism or, or something, but she she was just, like, her first question was, do I have insurance, you know? And, like, oh, we should exchange information. And uh, it was fucking <laughs> pretty much her fault, you know? My car, the front of my car is crumpled, you know? It's not totaled. Um, but it's smashed, you know? Uh and she was just not, like, didn't say that she was sorry and didn't ask me if I was all right. And I was just like, motherfucker. Um, and I, I, you know, at one point I was just like, did you just not 
see me? I mean, I'm sure I wasn't a fucking bucket of roses, but uh, not that that's an expression that anyone's ever used ever. But, I'm, you know, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure I wasn't super fun to deal with, but, like, uh, fuck, man. She was so cold, and um, that's what just was just bumming me out. And I was just like, did you just not see me, or were you coming around the corner too fast or something? You know, trying to get something out of her. Um and she was just like, I was driving at a perfectly normal speed, and uh, I was just like, oh, you're going to make this so hard. <laughs> you're going to make this very difficult. Oh, Lord. Um, so that's not fun. But, uh, I mean, while it was a shitty afternoon of me being angry and, and feeling like a bad person for fucking the car up again, you know, um, I was just like... You know, it's, you know, it, it, yes, yes, it's just a car, obviously, but like, uh, you know, fucking life doesn't stop happening. You know, every level of your life is happening simultaneously. <laughs> you know, if I could pause everything and just figure out, you know, how to deal with my family or something, or if I could just pause everything and just get all my schoolwork done, or if I could just pause everything and just, you know, go to the gym forever, <laughs> you know, and, uh, eat really well. And, but it's no, it's is all, it's all fucking interweaved into life, you know? And, um, I get so exhausted on these multiple planes and I'm just like, can I have a fucking, can I have a, can I have a goddamn break? But, uh, that's not how the world works, you know? And I, and I'm really not saying that in a cynical dark, like fucking everything just fucking ruins everything else. Ah! Um, no, just the the idea of being too attached to the way you think things should be, you know, and that there's suffering there, you know, um, and I'm parroting, you know, some self-help books and some, <laughs> some Eastern spirituality books, but, um, that's an idea that resonates with me, um, because I think that, that there's... Yeah, the, there is that element of control um, that you have, and there's an element of control that, you know, the Lord has, or the universe has, or whatever your fucking cosmology or mythology is. Um, you know, there's just shit out there that's <laughs> beyond you. Um, and and finding that line is so hard, you know. Um, there's, uh, there's a great movie um, called... It's kind of a funny story. Um, it started out as a book. I didn't read the book. I saw the movie with Zach Galifianakis. It was great. Fuck off if you read the book and you were like, no, the book first. Shut up. I'm making a point. Um, and in the movie, uh, the therapist says to the kid, um, it's like a depressed kid, checks himself into a mental hospital. It's like a hipster kid. Uh, and Zach Galifianakis is there and he's like, everything's going to be fine. It's a great fucking movie. Um, and she reads to him the serenity prayer that they say in AA all the time. And then my therapist pretty much reads to me every week, <laughs> which is, you know, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, um, the strength to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. And, uh, it's that fucking third one, man. <laughs> it's the wisdom to know the difference, you know, because if you're just raging against the, fucking machine um you know it there, there's a lot of fucking pain there too <laughs> you know in in trying to change things you can't and 
clinging really hard to that version of your reality um, that doesn't exist that you think should. Um, but there's also a certain element of, it's not all relinquished. It's not just like, yeah, just let the world walk all over you. You know, it's like, no, 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 no. Like, shit is changing no matter what. Like, you gotta fucking steer the train to some degree. You don't steer a train. Um, poor uh, mode of transportation that I decided to use. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I guess what I'm saying is, I hope you're fucking okay right now. And I hope you're okay wherever you are um, in, in the middle of whatever process you're going through. You're fucking fine. Um, take it from me. <laughs> take it take it from me. Uh, another just person just hacking it and uh, just trying to figure shit out. Um, yeah, so today on the podcast is uh, an incredible human being named Jensen McRae. Uh, she is a freshman at the school that I go to. Um, she is an awesome poet. She's an awesome songwriter. She's an awesome, she does slam poetry. She does, uh, improv comedy. Uh, she does a million things and we get into it on this podcast. She, you know, has like a rough draft of a novel that she's working on. She just wrote a fucking screenplay that she shot and stuff. And so she's a, she's a self-described, uh, word girl, um, and uh, just a really fucking interesting, <laughs> positive, cool, insightful person that um, I always enjoy talking to her. Um, so I hope you guys dig it. Uh, there's a couple really interesting things that come up on this podcast. Um, we kind of talk about writing and uh, music and shit. And we get into a pretty interesting conversation about race at the end. Um, which of course makes me as a white person very uncomfortable. <laughs> Jensen McRae is a young African-American woman and, uh, she was, uh, cool enough to kind of go into that conversation with me. And, uh, I kind of <laughs> just neurotically threw all of my thoughts at her. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a cool conversation. So, um, I mean, if you're interested in that at all, like check it out. Um, but one thing that uh, that I have to explain now that I was sort of trying to avoid explaining because I just didn't find it necessary. But uh, okay, so gen- so I go to uh, USC and um, I study popular music there, and there's a popular music program there, and uh, it's about you know twenty five thirty kids a grade, and we uh, we study popular music. And uh, the only reason I'm saying it now, uh, not only because it's part of my life, but it's also uh, because Jensen and I are both in this program, we talk about it a lot on this podcast, and I wanted you guys to have a frame of reference. And um, I've kind of been embarrassed about saying it on this podcast, actually, um, because of, once again, my, my fear of being a douchebag uh, <laughs> creeping up and, uh, you know, me um, forecasting people being like, what a fucking douchebag, just fucking talking about going to USC, what a fucking douchebag. Um, which is no one saying that, <laughs> which is just me beating myself up. But, um, yeah, that's like an anxiety of, of mine. Um, you know, like people calling me out for being an asshole or something like that, but you know, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's music school, but just the curriculum is, is popular music. And so I just wanted to let you guys know because, uh, we talk about um, some of the classes where we like uh, have different ensembles and we play different uh, popular music repertoire. And um, yeah, and so 
that just comes up a couple of times. And uh, yeah, that's all. Um, rock and roll forever. Um, I hope you guys like this episode. Oh yeah, also, if anyone uh, is in town in Los Angeles on Saturday, I'll be playing uh, an acoustic set at Bar 20 on Sunset Boulevard in Hollywood, California. Um, yeah, come check it out. Um, yeah, uh, you can check out my music on uh, SoundCloud.com, you know, Mac and Carol, or The Nova Darlings, which is my indie rock band, which we're also on Spotify and iTunes and all that uh, good shit. Um, yes, if you want to come see a show, playing at 7 p.m. at Bar 20, Sunset Boulevard, uh, Los Angeles, California. So, um, yeah, I hope you're fucking having a good time doing what you're doing. Um, love you guys. Uh, enjoy this episode. Here we go. Happy sad talking. Happy sad talking. Happy sad talking. Happy sad talking. I don't know anything. I'm going to try not to be too loud because I have a really loud voice. No oh worries, man. Oh, um, man. Oh, man. Yeah, it's going. It's going on. Oh. oh, my goodness. Yeah. I feel really fancy right now. This is fancy as fuck here. I think so. In the gateway practice rooms. <laughs> drinking smart water. You're drinking ethos water. Yeah, because I'm brand loyal. Oh, shit, man. Although I drink that every day, so that would really be more brand loyalty. What ifs, man? How are you? How's it going? I'm good. I'm like really tired. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, school and life are hard. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel on that? Can you hear yourself okay? I can totally hear myself, which is freaking me out. Yeah. I don't know what my voice sounds like. It's... I just realized. <laughs> you can take the headphones off if you I want. I want to keep them on, but they're just slidey. I think I fixed them. There we okay. go. I thought I had a big head, but maybe I have a, like a delicate lady head. I don't I, know. The hell, it's, heads are weird. Are there <laughs> appropriate lady head sizes? I think the problem is that I laugh and they move. <laughs> You might, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to leave them on. I'm going to do okay. it. I'm going to control my, myself. <laughs> Rock and roll. How was your weekend? How was the improv thing? It was cool. It was. I mean, okay, I feel bad because I feel like I had way higher expectations for it. And yeah. it, they weren't met, but it was still good. Like, mm. I feel like I should have just been like, oh, this is going to be a normal improv show. Not this is going to be some sort of, like, improv extravaganza that changes my life. Yeah. But it was good. It was a good time. And I ran into some people that I haven't seen in a while. So I hung out with them. It was all around fun. Sweet, man. Very sweet. Rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's the most rock and roll thing I've done to date. Yeah. This is, I'm also very nervous. Um, oh, I'm so nervous. I yeah, was like panicking really about this. Because <laughs> I listened to your podcast with Jack and I was like, oh God, like Jack's just effortlessly. <laughs> I was like, how can I be that guy? And then I was like, I can't be that guy. So I, I just got to do... do me. <laughs> I, that's actually like a problem in my life. Like not, like I literally have had conversations with my therapist where I'm just like, I'm not Jack DeMeo. It's <laughs> <laughs> like a big source of stress for He's you. a perfect guy. He's, he's a perfect great. man. He's, but he's tremendous. Where else? I don't know. Yeah, everyone's different. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like he's going, and I, I'm sure I just idolized the shit out of him. <laughs> oh, no, you got to. And there's a quote, I don't remember who said it, but it's like, it's better to be a first rate version of yourself than a second rate version of somebody else. Exactly. And I know that I'd only be a second rate or worse version of Jack DeMeo, so I might as well just do me. That's true. As corny as it is, that's like yeah. the spitting the truth over there. Oh, but yeah. But like, I, it was like, 
me and Jack, like, I don't know, like me and Jack hang out all the time. And sure. you and I hang out and it's like comfortable and normal. Yeah. But now that there's microphones here. Now I'm like, oh, well, this conversation is <laughs> Shit. so quirky and relatable. Ah! <laughs> tell, me about your, tell me about your movie that you made, My movie. motherfucker. Okay, so I wrote this film because apparently now I'm a screenwriter, I guess. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. So... I don't know how much of this... You know, I'm just going to disclose the whole story because it's a fun story. Let's do it, man. So um, my older brother and I and my mom, my little brother, were in the car. And with us was this girl that my older brother had been dating, like, sort of casually. Um, and she was, like, pretty into him. But, like, he, like, I could tell that there wasn't as much interest on his side. And we were, like, in the car, like, in traffic, like, trying to go to dinner. And we were just, like, trapped. And I was like, how awkward would she make this right now if she was like, I'm in love with you. And we were all just like there and it was super awkward and terrible and like he couldn't escape. So I wrote uh, a 20 page screenplay about two people trapped in a car on a road trip. And one of them's like, I'm in love with you. And then they just have to deal with it. Oh, um, so that was like the first draft. And then eventually like it became shorter, which was good because 20 pages is too long. <laughs> it's, yeah. Now it's 15, which is so concise. For short, and so I don't know lengths for short 15 films. P- pages, like 15 minutes is like the maximum. So I, oh, okay. I got it down to a reasonable length. Um, and nice. then I'd also transition it to being on a train and then on a plane because of like feasibility of shooting it. Like because it's easier to shoot like on a plane set than like to try to figure out how to shoot inside an actual car. Mm. Um, so then it became what it is now, which is... That doesn't seem like that's the way it would be. Like it you wouldn't a lot think so. <laughs> harder to but film okay, in, a plane. in terms of like, because the plane set, it's like we could take out the front Who half has of the car, plane. You know, <laughs> <laughs> let me explain myself. So they you have to they take out the front half of the plane so you can like have room for all the cameras. So like, even oh, though it shit. costs more money to shoot in a plane set, like to find a plane set and then like rent it to shoot inside of a car, you have to like figure out how am I gonna fit a camera inside of a car and like like rig it up yeah like on a movie set they do that all the time but we were like that sounds hard and we're all freshmen so yeah. like i don't know how we're gonna do that so we decided did to you just... just google plane set no <laughs> that was my that should have been my first move i did google like train times when it was on a plane i just like tried to find like a public train to shoot on and my my yeah. manager was the one who's like that's gonna no don't do that because you can't control the noise and there's you have gonna... a manager i do that's awesome for songwriting stuff or for he's kind of all, all purpose stuff? like all... my life He's my yeah. life coach. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, he, I mean, it started out like, do you want me to tell the story of my manager? Please, I'm just interested. When I was 15, um, I wrote a song for charity and I performed it at one of their like galas and he just like came up to me and he was like, do you have representation? And I was like, no, I'm 15 and chubby. <laughs> and he was like, well, here's my card. And so I gave it to my mom. I was like, is this man a con artist? And then she like looked him up and like vetted him and he was not. He was really, really awesome. And then he signed me. And so for the last like three years now, he's just been like trying to help me figure out what I want to do with all the content that I make. Cause I make like a lot of stuff you do. always. You do make and I'm like trying to figure out like, what do I do that? Where do I put it? And he's just like trying to help me cause he has like connections like more than I have. So he's yeah. like trying to help me do that. That's badass, man. Yeah. You write, you write the tunes, you write the poems. I do. You do the slam poetry. I do that. You do the improvising. I do that. You as do well. the short films. You're making it sound like I like very impressive and I don't feel that impressive. Cause it's <laughs> all just words. It's just words in like different rhythms and speeds. Yeah. We could just, we could do an opposite. We could do things you're really shitty at. Also, basketball? Are you good at basketball? I'm really bad at that. You bake You bake uh, goods? I'm very mediocre at baking. All right, there you go. Okay, Boom. good. I'm not impressive anymore. <laughs> I've been humanized to your listeners. Yeah, there you go. Back, down, back down to earth. Don't put me on a pedestal. <laughs> How was the filming like? It was like one of the most fun things I've ever done in my life because yeah? like I don't know anything about Did you movies. direct it? No, oh my goodness, okay. no. I had um I was the only besides Madison Douglas who starred in it and Jackson who also starred in it. They're like mm. incredible. But everyone else that was there was a film major, all freshman film majors. And so they like did all the actual like technical and like 
movie making aspects of it and I was just there like those are my words say say my words please um, and but it was like a really great learning experience for me because I have no experience in that field and I got to see like what it's actually like to be on a movie set and they were all kind of learning as they went to because none of them had ever done anything of that magnitude before yeah. um so I got to like and also bonded with them now I'm friends with a bunch of film kids that's just all fancy That's like awesome, how we're man. gesturing where no one can yeah. see us like shrugging, <laughs> no one can like, see these great shoulder gestures yeah, that are going up and down I'm like a bad dancer but I got like great shoulder mobility yeah. we could so. announce them as we're doing them yeah both know? up as I said, as I stood up straighter and adjusted my... <laughs> then you make it like one of those old-timey like, radio shows, like those soap <laughs> operas that they did on the radio, where they were like, no, Jimmy, don't go in there. I don't know what the plot of that one is, but you know, Jimmy shouldn't go in there. What the fuck, Jimmy? He's <laughs> going where he doesn't belong, man. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't, so when, when's this movie coming out, man? What's the plan? Movie, hopefully, end of April. We're going to you... do like a screening, Ooh. like a fancy fancy theater place. Is and that a title? Can we plug it? It's called Since Feeling. Since Feeling. Because of the E.E. E. Cummings poem that's quoted in it. Because I'm a nerd, and I have to make sure everyone knows that every time I do anything. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to quote this poem now. Um, yeah, it's called Since Feeling, and it'll hopefully be out at the end of April for friends and family to see. Fuck yeah. Punk rock, man. It's very punk rock. As we've, if we've learned anything else today, we've learned anything today. I'm extremely punk rock. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> rocking. How are you doing, rocking? I'm doing all right. Thanks for asking. <laughs> just feel like, I feel like it's very one sided. Like you're yeah. just sitting there, like I don't. Yeah. Posing you know? all the cues, <laughs> and I'm giving all the A's. You deserve a cue. Thanks. Yeah. I'm. I'm doing okay, man. I'm hanging in there. That's good. You know. Um, transitions as always. Oh yeah. You know, but like. I'm doing all right, you know? I had a set the other night. It was You were yeah, there. Yeah, I was there. <laughs> Let's pretend like we're on a talk show. Oh, really? Tell me more. <laughs> I have no Please idea what you're no. talking about, even though God, we're like no. friends in real life. Yeah, no, I don't want to not pretend that we're friends in real life. That'd be strange. Grab, no, also, I've just everyone, grabbed the mic. We're grabbing the mics now. To, that's, to show how serious I was about that sentence. We can get really intimate, talk really quiet, and everyone yeah. can still hear us. <laughs> no, but it was it was like good to do a thing. You know. Oh, doing things I think is better than not doing things most <laughs> of the time. Wow, that was profound. It is profound because I was saying, <laughs> as I was saying, I was like, "This is really dumb." And I was like, "No, no, no it means something." No, it does though, because like I don't know, the world is crazy as always. Mm -hmm. School is crazy, so um, crazy. I'm adjusting to the single life. Um, oh, well, join us! <laughs> I've been here for uh, 18 years. Uh, it's a fun club. <laughs> it's crazy. I've been in and out, man. Um, I'm like I got one of those like I've returned you know like Costco cards I have that but for the single <laughs> like life. a lifetime achievement yeah a lifetime achievement single? award yeah <laughs> single they like have a, they award. cleared out like I get a, I have a trophy case I'm in the single life hall of fame <laughs> they're like really impressed with me they're like you can go anytime you want I'm like uh it's just yeah. you and a bunch of pastors and yeah <laughs> yeah we're all just hanging out you know they're like you know you, you're an 18 year old girl like you should get out out there and I'm like that's fine I have to write a lot of songs this way yeah if I just stay in here that's true I mean, it, it's very conducive to the tune writing. What's shocking about it is, like, no matter what, like, relationship status you have, like, you can write tunes. Because, like, for me, for oh, example, yeah. <laughs> like, I can go to a party and, like, meet a guy, talk to him for 15 minutes. He never talks to me again. I wrote three songs about him. Whatever. Boom. It's fine. It's fuck. That's it's, impressive. And they're, they're like, kind of, one of them's fine. The other two are bad. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote them. And according to all our songwriting professors, that's all that matters, that I'm just doing it. Yeah, writing the tunes. It feels, do you ever feel, like, weird, like... Like writing songs, like in like a harvesty way, like. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> like I put I on mean, overalls like... and like write them with a hoe. <laughs> no, I just mean like you're having an experience or whatever. You're living your life, and then in the back of your mind, there's this like really greedy part of you that's like, 
this is going to make a good fucking song. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah. I live you know? my entire life that way. Me too. And it's like not a deliberate choice necessarily, but it, some part of it feels perverted to me. Like oh, there'll yeah. be something emotionally turbulent happening and then the back of my mind's like, yes, more of this. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. Oh, it's super greedy. Um, but I also think that, I mean, there's definitely the half of my mind that's like, oh, I can't, I need this to happen so I can write tunes about it. But then there's also yeah. part of me that's like, oh, I'm really glad that I can write songs so I can get through this because this is like really difficult yes. otherwise. And it, yeah, it's definitely not, I'm not like starting shit. No, I <laughs> Classic know. Mackin. Yeah. You're like that, the woman on every reality show that's throwing the wine. You're the wine yeah. thrower. So right, well, just I, you can I, get I, the yeah. views, I the throw, ratings. <laughs> throw wine, write tunes. That's, that's me, man. <laughs> no, but, um. I don't, yeah, like it, it's an important like processing thing, you know what I'm saying? But there's part of me that feels like, because the ultimate goal is like, you know, so you go from experience of seeing a thing on one end of the spectrum to like fucking selling it to strangers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> on the other end of the spectrum. And like all my best songs have come from like experiences that like I legitimately was like living in and enjoying, but also in the back of my mind, like while I was having, I was like, okay, this is the first line of the first <laughs> verse. Here's where I'm going with the bridge. I already hear the chord progression. Like, That's what I'm saying. Like that to me is somewhat sociopathic. You know what I'm saying? Okay, that like, it can simultaneously like. Did we know. not know if we were sociopaths <laughs> before beginning this? There's a lot wrong. There's yeah. a lot going on. There's a lot happening. Yeah. But um, hey, that's just how I feel about writing the tunes sometimes. I mean, you can take a you can take a break, take a little hiatus, just like live your life, or don't and just stock up that catalog. <laughs> no, it's not. Yeah, no, it's not enough to like. Like, I don't genuinely feel bad about it. You know, like, I'm like, what have I done? <laughs> I've commodified my experience. But yeah, just occasionally I'll be sitting around after the fact and being like, "Is this strange?" Also, like, like I feel the guilt. Like whenever I write, because most songs are about people, and so like whenever yeah. I write a song about like another person, I'm like, "Oh God!" Like I. Will they be like event? Like they'll probably never find out that it's about them. But like, will they be mad? Like, yeah. Will they be flattered? Like, will they think I'm crazy? Like, will they know that this song is about them? They, they will. <laughs> they might. Sometimes they. Well, sometimes I'm like really specific, but it's infrequent that I play those songs in public. Like the ones that are mm. non-specific are the ones I play, and then like any it could be about any number of people. So like, you keep the specific ones for yourself. Uh, I'd say, I mean, ultimately, like, when I'm, like, super rich and famous professional singer-songwriter, and I can do whatever I want, and I'm Taylor Swift, and I can be like, yeah, I wrote this song about you. What are you gonna do about it, John Mayer? Go cry on your money pillow. You know what I'm saying? Like, for now, I feel like it's risky to play really specific songs about, that are about certain people, because Mm -hmm. I feel like the backlash is gonna be, like, like, it's a ricochet, like, through our whole community. But, like, as, like, a professional, like, if I'm writing about, like, my love life, which people, like, may or may not know about, Mm. then it's, like... I don't know if I play it, then they they can speculate, but none of them can ever really know for sure. But like as opposed to now, like all my friends, would be like, oh, you wrote the song about John, nice. And I'd be like, <laughs> oh no, does John know? Yeah, he does. You said his name in it like six times. <laughs> Oops. Yeah, I wish I had that discretion. I just like, you're always writing. I'm always seeing you writing. Like I maybe yeah. don't have enough material, so I just anything. I'm just like, well, playing that tomorrow on stage, <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, I have like a lot. That's another thing. I think that's another issue I have as a performer is that I'm always afraid to like play the same thing twice, which is insane. Like right. I should just play like, I feel like, oh, these are my six best songs. This is my set. But for some reason, like, because I guess because I don't perform that frequently, I feel like every mm. time I do it, I should do something different. It's like, oh, this is so rare. I need to get. Yeah. My At least one thing different is nice. You know, yeah. Even if it's a new cover or just like one new tune or like. Yeah. But, like I'm doing the songwriters in the round thing like next month and I was thinking about like what I should play and I was like well I can't play that because I played that at this other thing that I did here 
And it's like, that's a not a good way to look at it. Like the songs doesn't become like less valid because I already performed yeah, it. Totally. And uh, I think that's interesting with tunes, like, like stand up comedy for some reason. Like you can, if you see someone do the same joke twice, you're like, oh shit. You yeah. Know? Or like they can only do the one act. Like if they like release a special, like right. it, then it's gone. You don't never do it again. Yeah. You know? But if you put out a record, like people are going to come to your show, they're going to be like, "Do that material that exactly. I know." Yeah, they like know? will request it. Like you would never go to like a Louis C.K. show and be like, "Do that joke about you're divorced again." Like, yeah, <laughs> you'd be like, "Get out of here." Yeah, you'd be like, "Do some new shit, man." <laughs> yeah, I mean, like um, I, th- I mean, maybe this is also the reason I do that. I am obsessed with stand-up comedy. I have been for like I guess a year now. Yeah, and like I was watching an interview with Louis C.K., who's my favorite, and he was talking mm. about how at the end of every year he scraps all of his old material and starts over because that's what his hero George Carlin did yeah. and he was there was like it was just so that was juxtaposed between old clips of him before he started doing that like doing the same joke in multiple scenarios and like him like slowly getting better at telling it yeah um and so he was saying like that he felt it was like more authentic to like start fresh and like force himself to keep generating new stuff but i feel like with music there's like this happy medium of like yes you need to keep writing new stuff but like get better at telling your old jokes yeah, totally. It's weird. It's weird with with uh, tunes because I feel like because I listen to podcasts all the time, and mostly comedians have podcasts, and they talk about writing jokes and stuff all yeah. the time. And it's really interesting comparing writing songs and writing jokes because there's so much crossover. Yeah. Just writing any kind of thing. any words at all, any words at all. But like, you know, jokes kind of develop on stage. You know, yeah. And songs do to some extent. You know, like a dynamic. You'd be like, oh man. We did that one section and it totally didn't work. <laughs> like we need to fucking rework that shit. Or like, man, like they were into this. Like people respond to this, and maybe you're thinking about that while you're writing it. But for, I think for the most part, like you know, composition happens like in an isolated, uh, you know, environment. Yeah. You know? Um, and it's not like like comedy. Like maybe you can take an idea and like expand upon it live or something like that. Like, oh yeah, unless you're like improvising or something like Yeah, I was watching um so like I don't know how much you're aware of like the way that comedians test drive the new material, but like they often will come to like small venues like specifically like in LA and New York and like test drive the stuff they're going to put in a new special. Yeah. So like I was watching Louis CK again. I he's the one. He's the dude. <laughs> and he was at um I want to say like the comedy store or something. Yeah. And he was like like running like all this stuff that he I guess is for his next tour or whatever. And it's yeah. from like the end of 2015. And um, there were, like, jokes that, like, didn't land. And then there were other jokes that, like, he would start and they went well. So he would keep going and then eventually he would stop because it was, like, him realizing that he got a hit and then continuing to riff on it. Yeah. So, like, yeah, exactly. Like, with comedy, like, you can have a special written out but then, like, kind of keep going. I guess that's kind of true with music, too, though. You'd be yeah. like, oh, they really like the bridge. Let's keep vamping or yeah, whatever. Yeah, exactly. And there's and, I'm, and then, like, in the jazz world, it's I think it's much oh, yeah. more like that, you know. Um, Yeah, but it's just it's interesting, like, thinking about the similarities and the differences. Um, I think the similarities have made me believe that I could do stand-up comedy, which I definitely <laughs> couldn't. Have you ever tried? I've tried writing. I've never dared perform <laughs> it. Oh, my God. I think about it always. Like, every time I've... I don't go to that many open mics at Ground Zero, but when I go, I always think, like, oh, like, what if I just, like, got... There's only, like... It's, like, seven minutes you get. Like, I could do seven yeah. minutes of comedy. We should Even fucking I, do it sometime. Oh, my God. That'd be terrifying. <laughs> I want to do it, but I'm so I tried so once scared. with a friend of mine who was trying to be go? a stand-up comedian. It was horrible. Oh, no. Because songwriting... <laughs> okay, and... and because songwriting, like, you have five minutes where everyone's supposed to be silent. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so the difference between people being silent because they don't give a fuck and people being silent because they give a fuck is the same. It's the same <laughs> silence. Know? Yeah, it's the same silence. So, like, if you have a bad song, you go up there and play it, people will politely clap for you. You know right. what I'm saying? Because that's something that you can voluntarily, like, conjure up, you know? But you can't, like, 
voluntarily like laugh exactly yeah you can feel so tangibly when it's going wrong yeah and because it's instant feedback it's not like i do something for five minutes and then you in 10 seconds you tell me how you felt about it (laughs) you know what i'm saying which is how performing music works you know and uh comedy it's like this constant feedback loop where it's like joke and then like mine were just flopping and then so it was just nothing you know another thing about comedy that is super stressful is that if you're you know very intellectual comic and you tell a joke that like maybe sails over the audience's head and then they get it later like maybe you'll get like a rebound laugh like a little bit later but probably you just (laughs) won't and they'll be like I didn't get it and then after the show they'll be like oh yeah I guess that was that was actually funny but with a song it's like they have the whole song to process it so even if you don't get hit by a lyric like it's just a stream of continuous material as opposed to like joke silence or laughter joke silence or laughter (laughs) But it, yeah, and there's just no like, um, like music. Like you have like your instrument or whatever. Something you have something to go back to, and like kind of a roadmap to follow. But yeah, I just feel like you're just so much more naked and alone. And I, I mean, I <laughs> feel comedy. that. I feel that like just standing behind a mic and singing without a piano. Like even though I'm yeah. not like a like a great pianist, like it feels mm. comfortable. To, like I'm first of all I'm to sitting. have a thing to do with your hands. First of all, I'm sitting. You're, you you yeah. play the stand up instruments, which is I have, in my opinion a mistake. You should be sitting down. <laughs> Secret piano tricks. So I have to stand up. Yeah, they it's... offer me seats sometimes. Oh really? I have to like do a little dance. You do, do a little dance. You get your legs. Moving. I get my legs moving, and I like to like they want they wanted to mic my guitar the other night, mm-hmm. and I was like I just want to go di, even though it would sound better if they mic'd me up. Like because I you like, move a lot. Yeah, I don't like being tied. Wave to it one. around. I wave it around, and I like to like you know walk around if yeah. i'm just strumming and i'm not like by the mic because yeah, i like exactly. to be uh pulling around but if i don't have a thing in my hands i'm like ah. yeah i like i mean the first time that i ever like i really experienced that was probably like at grammy camp like when we were the launch party and i didn't was never playing instruments because everyone else was better than me at instruments so, like yep. you just sing and i was like yeah sounds good um but it was mildly terrifying because i like couldn't are we good yeah, I just wanted to make sure we were recording. Oh, I wasn't just like, checking my Facebook was, in the I middle. I was like, oh, okay. I was like, yeah, you're telling a story anyways. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I, so now being in pop, like that's the the name of the game always is, you know, for me at least, if I'm singing, I'm probably not playing my instrument. Yeah. Um, I feel like probably next year that'll change because sophomore year is harder. But like if I'm playing keys, that's all I'm doing. If I'm singing, that's all I'm doing. So yeah. like I have to, I've had to learn how to like, dance air quotes like i can't actually dance but i just like move around a lot yeah it's weird because it's liberating in a lot of ways yeah you know? like there's sometimes i wish i didn't have an instrument like in a band setting you know right and you could just jump around and be fun you know but then it's also like just so much more vulnerable and there's because there's, there's nothing there's nowhere to hide there's also no like i can't hide like thing. the trouble spots on my body like if i'm sitting down like everyone can see my <laughs> tummy i don't know if i want to hide my tummy tonight i can't everyone can see it at the first freshman pop show, I wear like a, a button down shirt, like tied up, because I was like, whatever, my midriff. And then I was like, Rocket why'd I do girl. that? <laughs> like, it wasn't like traumatic. Like, no one like went blind, but it was like, I was like, oh man, like, I wish I had like a, th- I was just facing away from the pe- I just, oh. there was a lot, a lot going on. This is something that I think is interesting. Like, first of all, rock the midriff. Like, Always. you do you. Now, from now on, I. <laughs> Ever since then, I've become midriff confident. I don't confident. think any. Yeah, I don't think anyone was like, "What the heck?" Like, <laughs> fuck, fuck them. Everyone man, was like, "Cover those ankles, girl." <laughs> I think it's interesting because like performers are like some of the most self-conscious people that I know, myself included. Oh yes. Um, but performing is like one of the most vulnerable things you can do, you know. And so it's this like really weird thing because it's like. In some ways, I feel like performing is like a very brave thing to do. And some people are like, oh, I can never get on stage in front yeah. of people. And, and like, I, you know, I'll go on stage and tell people how I'm feeling. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Which is like, you know, fucking nerve wracking. But then like, you know, sometimes I'll be like, man, I don't want to go. I, I don't want to walk this 
down this hallway because I'm, I'm gonna, I'll see that guy that I know and I'm friends with, but I don't have like the emotional energy to talk to him right now. So I'm gonna walk around the building. <laughs> you oh, know that's what I'm my saying? move. Oh no! Well, you first of all, you gotta have the, those headphones <laughs> in. Gotta have those headphones in so yeah. you can avoid that eye contact. But what I have found. But you know what um, I'm saying? Like, it's no, just yeah, like, like I will, I will be such a fucking coward in that moment. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? And overcome with anxiety. But then I'll like go on stage later that night and be like, I'm so sad! <laughs> you know? Or because because <laughs> one person is scary, but a faceless mass is not, in my opinion. Yeah. What I found is like, I have to explain myself to people all the time. Because I like, I when I took the Myers-Briggs test, I got like super high introvert. What's Myers-Briggs? Oh, you would love this, I think. It's like a personality test, and it's like supposed to be very exhaustive. Like, mm. the full one you have to pay for, and I did it when I was, like, 15, but there's, like, a bunch of free, like, variations of it online, and it determines, like, are you an introvert or an extrovert? Are you more, like, intuitive or sensing? And there's, like, all this these different categories. Yeah. Um, and I got, uh, like, the the one that's the lowest percentage of the population, of course, because I'm not like <laughs> other girls. Um, and I, uh, but one of the things was, of, like, a very high introvert score, and people are like, but Jensen, you're so loud, and you perform. Like, how could you possibly be an introvert? And I'm like, because here's the thing. Like, performing yeah. is like you're on stage and like you can't like you're first of all you're elevated above everyone else literally like you are above <laughs> everyone else second of all like you're not that's in, the main point of this podcast is that we're better we're than better everyone than everyone <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing is that you're not directly engaging with any individual people so you don't have to like yeah. like you're getting the collective feedback from the crowd which like you said is often like polite clapping yeah um and so, like, you're just up there alone, and you can kind of do your own thing without having to worry about, like, immediate recourse. Like, if you say something, yeah. and, like, someone doesn't find it funny, like, if you're performing in front of 100 people, a couple of them are probably going to laugh. And so, like, you know, if, like, you know, the few people in the front don't laugh, you can be like, well, they, who cares about them? Yeah. But then, when, <laughs> but then what I found is, like, the crazy thing is, like, me being on stage, like, emceeing a show or whatever, and, like, being mm. all confident. And then as soon as I come off stage, people come up to me to, like, say I did a good job, and I, like, panic. Yeah. And I'm like, um, thank you. And then I like <laughs> run away and I don't know how to receive compliments and I just yeah. like, I hate it. And like, so that's like a thing that's true with a lot of performers, I think, is like, it's fine if I'm on stage and no one's directly talking to me. It's as soon as I get off stage and there's a bunch of people around me. And that's it becomes when I a binary thing again. Exactly. You know? <laughs> be, yeah. Because it, it got, there's no, you have like space to do your thing. Yeah. And there's no like. No, and like not everyone's mic'd up in the audience. Exactly, like, like you're in control, you. and like they're not like your hostages. They could leave, but like they're yeah. gonna stay. Like they're at your whim. <laughs> you get to decide if they're entertained or not. Kind yeah. of. Yeah. So, I mean, I find that to be mm. my truth. <laughs> I was interested when you said like when we were talking about writing songs a while ago, and you were saying like about like um like keeping certain ones, like not playing certain ones that right. like you feel are too obvious or something like that. Yeah. And, like. uh that's just like an interesting idea to me, you know. Um, I don't know. I guess I don't. Not that I like approach it crazy differently. I don't know. I, <laughs> um, like doing this podcast already. Like I've had people like text me that I talked about on the last podcast, and they're <laughs> like, "You made me sound like a huge bitch," <laughs> you know. And I'm like, uh, "Fuck," <laughs> you know. Um, so I guess that idea of discretion is like fascinating you it's know? i mean it's discretion or just like fear because like when i write the song it's like pretty much pure catharsis and yeah. like it's private like i co-write sometimes like i collaborate but a lot of my music is just me writing alone in my room and yeah. so it's just like all for me and i can do whatever i want because no one's listening except for like mm. the people like you know if i'm in my house my mom's like yeah your room's not soundproof and i'm like whatever man <laughs> um but when I, if i play it then like I have to, I'm like opening up for 
like people to a be like whoa that girl's crazy for having that emotion about that guy she doesn't know or like for the person who heard it to be like you're portraying me wrong or to be like why are you disclosing all this information yeah. about mm. me um so i guess like it's a cowardice it's partially like we're but partially a coward like it's partially like me being like oh i'm being polite like i'm not embarrassing them but i'm also like not embarrassing myself mm. it's interesting because like i I'm, i don't know which it is you know yeah. what i'm saying because for it's easy. It's not easy, but it's it's one thing to just be like revelatory and confessional. You know what I'm saying? And, and yeah. just to like take things from your direct experience and just, you know, put them on a page or whatever. And it's another thing to like be artful about it. You know what I'm saying? And, and I think maybe part of that artfulness might be that discretion. You maybe. know what I'm saying? <laughs> and part of that artfulness, like, like, I don't know, like making it so, like not just a diary entry you know what i'm saying like making it worth somebody else's time so that it speaks to somebody else like i think that's where the art has to come in you know i I agree with that but i also think like so there's a song by alba mache it's called miss you and like the first line's like i'm gonna miss you and your mickey mouse tattoo and you'll be leaving in your honda accord which like that couldn't be more specific to one person like well not the person is real i'm assuming it's a real person but like that couldn't be more specific and yet when i hear that i'm like me too, Alabama shakes. And yeah. Like, why? Like, I don't relate to that. I don't know anyone totally. with a Mickey Mouse tattoo or that drives a Honda Accord. And Absolutely. yet I'm like, that's me. Um, so, like, on the one hand, it's like, yeah, there's like a level of arts, like taking your experience and elevating it to something like universal. But also, like, sometimes people like get down with like your diary. Like, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Well, because it's like, I, I, I'm a big believer in like the minutiae and like getting to like an extremely personal level. Like, that's actually the door to the universal. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And, and a lot of my favorite films and songwriters and and whatever like that's the truth of it you know yeah um and it seems counterintuitive but actually getting that microscopic level you know like that's what i connect to you know but like i think that there is a difference you know between just doing that like achieving that connection and then just being like uh, like this is just what I think, and this is a song about my ex girlfriend, and I'm gonna play it. <laughs> and I've definitely like gone to open mics and like heard people sing stuff that just feels like they're just reading their diary. That's what I'm saying. Like the difference between that yeah. and Corny Barnett, you know, yeah. or Father John Misty or whoever, you know, yeah, is clearly writing from their experience, but it, ha- it just feels like that connection, that that bridge. I think I don't. I mean, maybe part of it is like getting out of like a like a narrative a linear mm. or even like list making style of writing where you're just like I'm listing all the things that happened to me and like yeah. being able to synthesize something from it I guess that's what the difference is because like there's the people who are like these are all the things that happened to me and then like I'm here's a catchy chord progression underneath and then there's the people who are like here's something that happened to me and this is how I feel about it and, and this is why point. it matters yeah here's the point yeah. um, I feel like Stolpe trying to teach us that right now is to like say yeah. something and here's why I said it and this is the point and I feel like that's valuable um, she's a badass teacher man she's so dope everyone that has her <laughs> is obsessed with her and I get it I too am obsessed with her yeah. she's just like I mean first of all she's absolutely just wrecking us like she's like oh she's, she wrecks you dude well because she's like look like I get you guys are all songwriting majors like you can't write a bad song but are you writing a great song and I was like no I'm not <laughs> I'm not writing any great songs yeah man I love cause like I would just go up there and I'd have some half ass song and she'd be like man that sounded really pretty but like 
I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> or something to be like, man, that lyric was shitty. Like she would just say One that, of the things know? that I that I wrote with my writing partner, uh, so we like performed it and like our concept was like very difficult to explain because like we were trying to do something that like both of us could like relate to, but it just ended up being like really broad and like we went in too many directions. And then she's like, this is the song you were trying to write. And then she played Jack and Diane, all of Jack and Diane. Really? And I, yeah. Like the whole <laughs> song. Like not just like here's a sample. Like she played the whole song. And everyone was like, that's a great song. And then we were like, our song's not Jack and Diane. <laughs> and then I just, I felt very defeated afterward. Um, but it was, it's a good thing for me, I think, because like, like Chris Sampson last semester, he was, he would never like wreck anyone, but he also wouldn't like build anyone up too much, which I That's enjoyed. True. But this time she's like, Stolpe's going to be like, look, this is not your best work. And I'm going to be like, I, yeah. I know. She'll straight but, up tell you that. But why don't you just <laughs> pretend that it's fine? <laughs> yeah. I'm delicate. <laughs> uh, but I mean, yeah, it's a very good, it's very good for me. Um, yeah be like cut down to size yeah because that's how that's how good shit happens like i remember like taking that class and she would just call my shit out and then like and i'd go home and be like all right well what if i fucking try this and then like <laughs> oh then yeah there's something would hit. like a cha- like challenge accepted like oh okay that's not good i'll show you good yeah. and then you actually do better yeah well because there's she still has so much heart and so much encouragement and she's like yeah. we'll steer you in a direction and she like believes i feel like that's why she does it this because she like believes in our ability yeah. otherwise she'd be like yeah that fine and then she'd move on but she's like <laughs> she takes the time to dissect what the problems yeah. are with it so you can make it better because she knows there's a good song at the core of it yeah totally i also hate the song jack and diane just i don't fun i was like okay <laughs> I, I don't i had that was the first time i'd ever heard the entire song i knew yeah. what it was only because mindy kaling talks about it in her first book she's like making fun of it she's like that's such a white people problem song and she's like i want a song about like a jewish guy and like a vietnamese girl like studying for the sat like that's real life and i was like true but also like <laughs> is that the girl from the office yeah she and the mindy project and my my best friend one day i hope <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, like she, I, I, so I never heard the whole song, but I heard it and I was yeah. like, this is probably not something I'd listen to, but like this accomplishes a good No, it's a task. killer. It's a super well-written song. I don't know why I have this hatred attached to it, <laughs> but I just fucking do. I just, I don't know why. And I try to be an open-minded person and be like, oh, there's value in that. Did Look someone like structure. bully you in elementary school while that song played in the background? <laughs> <laughs> Life goes on. Um, no, dude, I don't fucking know. I just, it would just like, I just hear it on the radio and like. Turn it away. Boom. I don't know. I don't know what. It, I don't know. It just. I definitely um, have songs that I rationally don't like. I can't think of yeah. any right now because I like a lot of, and I li- I don't listen to them. Like well, I was walking over here listening to exclusively John Mayer because yeah. that's what makes me happy. Dude, everyone's all hip on. I've never gotten into John Mayer. Oh my god. Like okay. I'm not actively against Here's John Mayer. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. But I, I feel like, especially here at fucking pop school, like fucking, at, like he's like one of the. Patron Saints. Patron Saints. Therefore, well, it's like Stevie Wonder oh my God, <laughs> is one Stevie of the patron Wonder saints sure. of pop. <laughs> <laughs> but the jo- Church John, of Pop. Yeah. <laughs> and there's another, like John Mayer, I feel like another one of those. And Bruno Mars, for some reason. I have not found that yet, but I guess that's about to come out. Dude, last year, Andy Abad, literally every performance class. He does bring he up Bruno Mars. He just references Bruno. Like, that's his, like, when you're out there playing with the big dogs. You know, Bruno Mars did that James Brown tribute. <laughs> and we're like, yep. He did. Yeah. We we're neither of like, them. He's like the standard for. He's I the gold feel. standard of performance. <laughs> Apparently. Bruno Mars is who we're all seeing here, I guess. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, so that's how I, I don't know. There are like four or five dudes where I'm like, okay. <laughs> no, but yeah, the thing about John Mayer is that, like, They're all um, amazing. I'm not yeah. trying to shit on John Mayer. But. I, like, always was aware of him, and I was like, oh, he's good. But then, like, my senior of high school, one of my really good friends, um, who, like, idolized, just was obsessed with him, he was mm. like, 
like I know you like John Mayer, like but you gotta like really get into it. And I was like, whatever, like Paradise Valley's fine. And then he's like, no, 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 you gotta listen to all of the albums. You gotta get into it. And I was like, I don't have time for that. He's like, no, 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 seriously, like he's yeah. amazing. And then I like kind of sporadically like crept into John Mayer's discography, and I was like, you know what? Yeah, this is what I'm trying to do. I think like I'll never sound like him because I'm a girl and because I'm black and I'm a child. But like I like I feel like the the at the heart of his music is like I feel like he's a black woman. It's a black woman, (laughs) and also like I don't know. I feel like there's something about the way he expresses himself that is like how I want to express. Like the song "In Your Atmosphere" is my favorite song of all time, and I don't know why. It just is, and like it's like simple but also poetic, and like. I don't. I, he like straddles that line so perfectly because there's so many songwriters who are like so esoteric, and you just like you know you like it, but you don't know what they're talking about, no matter how yeah. much you think about it. And then there's the songs that are so simple and so straightforward that they're just classics because they're like the literally the most straightforward lyrics in God. Mm. But then like I feel like he walks the line between like I'm saying this in a totally new way, and you know exactly what I'm talking about, and that is what I'm trying so hard to do through like yeah. a different lens, I guess. Mm. But I mean, like, I don't know if he's your jam. Like, you may listen to it. You're like, this is cool. <laughs> like, yeah, he's good. Whatever, man. But like, for me, it's like it. I mean, I cry when I listen to your album. Like, it just like yeah, gets to me so shit. hard. Well, I listen to like so many like sensitive guitar guys. You know, <laughs> like Jeff Buckley's my dude. You know, <laughs> sensitive guitar guy uh, du jour. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I just I don't know what it is that rubs me the wrong way about it. It's probably just because I don't know it and I haven't like taken it. Also, like, he's, hot sec to get into it. His but. personality, like, I mean, I don't. I didn't follow his career when it was like falling apart. Um, but like when he like did a lot of like controversial interviews and stuff, a lot of people started not liking him because of like he was like, Oh, they're like he's sexist and racist and all these things. Oh. Um but um which is probably so inside of him is not a black woman then. <laughs> According to one of his interviews, definitely not. Um but like he I don't know, for some reason I can like overlook that, partially because he's like really apologized for it since then. Um and there's other people who say horrible things and apologize and I don't forgive them. But I guess it's just because his songs like make me feel so many of the feelings that I'm like, it's fine that he yeah. went through that period of like self-discovery and like making bad decisions. Yeah. And also like he played with Ed Sheeran at the Grammys like last year, two years ago and he had a pink guitar and little spectacles and I was like, <laughs> yeah, man, <laughs> that's the look. All right. What's the record? What do I got to listen to? Oh my God. Okay. So <laughs> where the light is, is like his live concert album from LA where he plays like a lot of stuff from continuum plus just like a few random isolated things from other albums. And yeah. that's what in your atmosphere is on. It's the only album that it's mm. on cause he never released a studio version, but his best studio album, in my opinion is continuum. I feel like a lot of people will probably agree with that. But then Room for Squares is like a little... I'm sorry for getting into like such an in-depth dissertation no, on John Mayer. No, this is what I want. Um, but yeah, I mean, like my favorite <laughs> albums by him are Continuum and Room for Squares, besides the live album. Um, yeah. But I mean, listen to all of them, listen to In or Out of Order. I think it's fun to listen in order because you can see like a progression of like what he's doing. And he's also about to release a new album in the fall. Okay, sure. So you could jump on board then. You could like wait, be like, I'll get there, and then jump on board then. Yeah, I always... See, There's, there's there are these people that I know I have to get into at some point, like... The Smiths and <laughs> The Cure and just bands that are <laughs> cool and that like people like and stuff and I know that I like at some point that I'll like I'm not saying I have to like them or anything like that but like you have to acknowledge them based on like yeah <laughs> like there's enough cool people that like a lot of the music that I like that also like these artists you know like John Mayer happens to be one of them that like I have a lot of friends that are into him you know that right. I just haven't taken the time to get into that I know at some point. I'm like, all right, that's at one point in my life, I will be a huge Morrissey fan <laughs> and I will be really into the Smiths. But I tried and not today. You know? I have that to a certain extent, partially because I feel like you're like, this is bad, but like, you know what? This is the truth. I feel like it makes me a special snowflake to like certain <laughs> kinds of bands. Like, and honestly, this, I can trace this back to being like, 
black and like being like 18 and it's like, yeah. like for one thing i feel like i need to get into rap like culturally like i feel like i need mm. to know rap which like some i mean like kendrick lamar's a genius but i haven't heard all of tomato butterfly i'm not gonna lie to you, these you listeners check it out i know i've heard like a few of the tracks and they're all amazing and i never listened to the whole thing but like there's a lot of like music that i like i want to get into rap like for Kid Mad City is also a great record i've heard some of that too it's but then there's also they're really like, good the, like albums like yeah they're like straight a, through. really like well like constructed yeah but then there's also like music like the cure and the smiths that i'm like i feel like i should listen to that because people will be so taken aback that yeah. i listen to that that's definitely I, white people shit yeah it is and my mom already <laughs> makes fun of me for listening my mom who is white already makes fun of me for listening to white people music but i want yeah. that makes me want to listen to more um, <laughs> um but I, I i can't even i don't even can't even gauge like what my music taste is anymore because like i just listen to like what spotify tells me to listen to and like what we listen to pop class and like sometimes people recommend me something and I'll actually yeah. listen to the recommendation but like I don't feel like I know like there's all the like every time I l- start listening to something I'm like well is this a waste of time like should I be listening to these greats that I like I'm unaware of yeah see that's the weird thing about studying music is like there's this, this obligation element to it where yeah. it's like I have to master this like uh, like when my spending my time in the like the the most efficient way possible like am I taking in the right shit I definitely like... feel like I have a stronger grasp of Motown for spending <laughs> a long time yeah. on Motown but that's good because Motown's awesome yeah but one of the things that like I was talking to this there's a lot of interesting things that you said that I wanted to touch <laughs> on but um, like the curriculum here like it's sick but there's no country there's right. no like metal there's no like hard rock there's no hip hop really like it's mainly like R&B and like and classic rock that's where they like kind of yeah kind and like of. those are amazing and like I, I love all the like it's impossible to touch on everything you know but there's just so much shit that like you don't get to in right the, in the two years of the class and I, I mean it's obviously like a pretty new program and it's one of the only ones of its kind um, and I'm very curious to see like how it will change like over the next few years because like yeah. it's already changed I think somewhat since it started and I feel like every year it gets a little bit better and like more efficient. I hope I can't really tell. Um, but yeah, I'd be really curious to see like if they feel like, oh, are we accomplishing everything we need to accomplish in terms of like the fundamentals? Because like, what are the fundamentals of yeah. music? That's, I think like, there should be a, a pop music history class. Like, yeah, there's not. They have like yeah, they have like specific genre like histories. Like they yeah. have like um, I know there's like a Beatles class. I think there's like something yeah. about hip hop. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> I don't look at all the. Classes. I'm trying to get more into hip hop too. For what it's worth, because it's it's great, but it's just like you feel. I'm like, oh, I'm, well, I have to listen. To all, I have to learn all my songs for pop class, and then I'm gonna listen to the stuff I already know I like. Yeah, and then I'm out of time for the day. It's fucking hard. It's fucking hard to like also be consuming new shit, and then especially because we're just listening to things all day. At the end yeah. of the day, it's like I just want to listen to podcasts because <laughs> I, I was listening to songs. Oh, absolutely. All day. Yeah, I think about that all the time. Like, um, like my like my roommates, neither of them are music majors, and mm. like when I, I came in the other day, and my roommate was doing homework, and she was listening to Twenty One, the Adele album, and I was like. Mm. That's awesome. Like, she just <laughs> enjoys that album, and she's listening to it. She yeah. doesn't feel like, oh, I need to be listening to something more. Yeah, or analyzing it. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, I i can't even remember the last time that I did that. Like, I wasn't, like, listening to an album because I felt like I needed to, because I felt, like, important yeah. culturally. Like, mm. I was, it was, it's so rare that I listened to an album. I mean, other than, like, John Mayer, who I just loop. Like, <laughs> I clearly have a problem, but, like, the most albums that I'm, like, listening to when I listen to an album from start to finish, it's because I feel like I need to. Yeah. And, like, I was just like, that is, because she's just like, I'm just in Dorn's life and I'm just listening to this album because I really enjoy it and it's good music yeah. for doing homework, too. And I was like, I haven't done that in a while. <laughs> That's the weird thing about making something like your craft. Like, there's this kind of, like, very unromantic thing about sort of, like, working at something that, like, I don't, like, I feel like almost 
it's more pure like a hobbyist is almost more pure yeah because there's this level of enjoyment i mean i was talking i don't remember what class this came up in it might have been in songwriting one with like like chris was maybe talking about how like you're gonna start like you're finding yourself analyzing just everything and it might feel like frustrating because it's like making music into so much work and i definitely have felt that like dichotomy since coming to music school is like when i was in high school and like i didn't take any music classes and i was it was all just me enjoying it by myself in a room alone because it goes from your escape to your like your where work. you go every day yeah know? like i was doing the destination writing for songwriting class i was like i can't believe i have to write the five pages of introspective writing <laughs> which before would have been like oh my god what that's my homework that's yeah. a joy and like i did enjoy doing it totally but it was still like i have to do it totally and there's there are still like it still blows me away and like i obviously still like listen to music and it moves me it's not like now this cold like <laughs> the old horse oh, really? that I went to the every... neapolitan chord there you need <laughs> like <laughs> yeah um but I mean, like every once in a while, like it is like, I got to go to rehearsal right now. Or some oh, shit. it's like, exhausting. Yeah. That's also part of the problem is like the rehearsals, like when I get there, I'm like, oh, I have the best time ever. That was so fun. I'm so glad I did that. But like walking there is just like, a sl- I'm like, oh my God, an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah. And it's going to be, we're going to have to fix these notes that we have <laughs> and we're doing this kick patterns wrong and this wrong organ sound. Yeah. And it's like. But I do think you, you get more out of it in the long run, like being buried in it all the time. Like yet yeah, while it's not as uh like mysterious and just like pure escape like savior thing like it's still like it's still capable of being all those things just not 100% of the time then i think you can maybe get to some like deeper crazier levels of appreciation and shit like definitely picking it apart understanding how it works and like being inside of it all the time and i feel like, like at the end of this semester like when i look back on my freshman year like yeah. i'm gonna be like that like i'll be able to see the picture but yeah. it's right now i feel like i'm definitely losing the forest for the trees because you kind of don't have a choice you have to like stay in the day-to-day and be like just like get all your tasks done we explain I, that expression to me people say it all the time okay what so basically <laughs> like so a forest is a big collection of trees hold on <laughs> <laughs> i know i'm moving quickly explain forest to me. a lot of people <laughs> use that term and i don't know what it means so basically it just means like you're focusing so much on like individual trees as opposed to seeing the okay. forest for what big it is, picture. which is a big, yeah, big picture, small details, essentially. Rocking. I, um, this is an aside, but when I was in high school, I think my junior year, I started this making. Is all, this is all an aside. I guess all of this is an aside. <laughs> Jesus. All right, I'm out. I think you just broke my mind. Uh, the, our whole existence no. is an aside. <laughs> no, I meant this podcast. I didn't mean our Whatever, I went there. Boom. <laughs> Everything's an aside. <laughs> <laughs> it's all just like a little soliloquy to myself. No, um, but I just meant there's no like back to the exactly what yeah. we were talking um, about. But <laughs> yeah, like when I was like a junior in high school, I started making a list of like all the things that I felt like I'd learned from each year. Like I was like a freshman year, and then I'd write like these little sayings, and I felt like encapsulated it. And, like yeah. all the only thing I can remember cool. is in tenth grade English, my teacher said, "Don't lose the forest for the trees." Like with regard to an essay. Mm. And I felt like that encapsulated like my 10th grade year really well. So I like put it on the list. And I can't remember any of the other things I wrote down. I lost a piece of paper, of course, because I'm just a scatterbrained artist. Um, but I was thinking I was thinking about that with my movie also. Like I was going to make um, like little cards. I didn't do this. I'm terrible. But I was going to make little cards for everyone that was involved with like little stuff on it. I was going to put little yeah. sayings on it. And like one of the things that happened over the course of the shooting was that we booked the transportation really early and we didn't know how many extras we were going to have. So we booked, we booked a 50-person bus and the bus ended up carrying seven people to the set. So it was a bus like for 50 people that on the day of had seven people inside of it, which you're not laughing at, but was very comical. <laughs> and so one of the things I was going to write was like, don't book the bus to you know how many people are going on it. Mm. And so which is like a bigger, you can extrapolate to a more profound 
sentiment, but also was like literally like we, we shouldn't have booked the bus. We had seven people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's. I like thinking about things like that. Like I feel like it's like reading a book and like looking for symbolism and like the color of the protagonist's hair. Like there's always a like life is symbolist literature probably. Yeah, and God's from the author of it and we're all just okay. we're all Metaphors. flowers we're all dandelions yeah. in the field i find myself in metaphor mode constantly and like i can't get out of it i can't <laughs> stop. and i do it i like i will do it on purpose like that's bad like i will like do things on purpose that are metaphors and no one yeah. else knows yeah. just for me <laughs> Yeah. Just like actually, I did. Okay, so when I was, this is also when I was a junior in high school. So uh, during homecoming ask season, uh, for some reason, all the guys they were like, "I'm gonna give her a bouquet of roses." Done. Prom homecoming taken care of. Oh, uh, man, well, how come an Italian guy can't get a date here with the high school? <laughs> uh, I'm just a short Italian man. Why can't I get a date? I have all these pizza. I got left all these over. roses. <laughs> so all of the guys did that. And um, I didn't get asked to homecoming. I didn't get asked to anything in high school because I was too cool for them, apparently, I guess. That's what I'm telling myself. Um, but so I one day uh, during the see, the flurry of it going on, there was uh, there was an ask in the morning before school. And then the girl got her bouquet, but one of the roses fell out on the ground. And I ran into it a couple hours later and it was like sort of wilted, but like still pretty much all good. And I was like. I'm going to carry this around all day and see what everyone <laughs> thinks. And every person was like, hey, Jensen, did you get asked to homecoming? And I was like, yeah, who asked me with one dying rose? And then I realized the guy that would ask me to homecoming would for sure ask me with one dying <laughs> rose because he's weird. Um, but I carried it out the whole day and then it wilted like a lot. And then I gave it to one of my friends and she pressed it in the pages of a book or whatever because all my friends were weird like me. Mm. Um but I was like, I did, like, why did I, I did that my junior year and my senior year? Because it happened again. And I was mm. like, I really, f- and there was the one superficial level of me being like, I don't know what people think of this, me carrying this rose, but also me being like, what, do- what is that? Like, and we live, we were in this like school where like these guys are like, I mean, it's uncreative, sure, but like they're putting themselves on the line, like for rejection and they're giving the girl these roses and the girl's like, yeah, whatever. And then a rose falls out and she doesn't notice. Yeah. She doesn't notice that one of the roses that was purchased for her is gone. Like, I don't know. I was fascinated by that question. Yeah, Totally. And, like, I don't know, I definitely do the same thing where, like, I, I will steer my life in these, like, metaphor ways where I'm like, I know if I, like, wore that shirt on this <laughs> day, you know, like, if I wore my Metallica shirt to my classical theory class, like, that would make me happy, <laughs> you know, or, like, little subtle things like but that. But the funny thing is that all of the most ridiculous, convoluted metaphors that have ever occurred in my life happened without any of my engineering, and then I look back on it, and I'm like, wow, that's deep. And it had nothing yeah. to do with me trying to force it. Totally, because there's certain times where, like, I, I would I would prefer for the universe not to like obviously like throw things in my face, <laughs> you know. Um, but like, you know, it's like if my drain's clogged or something, I'd be like, I feel like my emotional drain is. Clogged. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! That's God. a horrible example. That's not a, that's not a real one. I was, no, that's I'm the try- best you could come up with. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best I could come up with right now. But um, good lord. Anyways. <laughs> Back to what we were really talking about. <laughs> the point of this podcast, which is coal and fusion. Yes. What did you say? It's a coal and fusion. Coal even... and fusion? No. <laughs> coal, space, and space fusion. Yeah, coal and fusion. Welcome to Human Centipede Podcast. <laughs> My mom's going to listen to this. Jesus Christ. I apologize to all the moms. All the moms out there listening to this podcast. It's your demographic. It's moms. Yeah, mostly moms. I don't know. I feel I like you'd win big with moms, <laughs> honestly. I feel like my demographic is just my Facebook friends right now. <laughs> that, I mean, how many is that? You gotta have. I have like a thousand. How many do you have? I don't know. 
<laughs> um, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Um, probably around that. I don't so, know. So potentially a huge audience. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. You know, I have this theory about um, social media and the way it works. Like, like ten percent of like your affiliates on social media, like the people that follow you, your Facebook friends, whatever, will immediately like interact in some way with what you post, and the rest will either not or like filter in slowly. So, like, I have like I don't know, four hundred, two hundred followers. So, if I post a tweet, like forty people will like look at it and or like it or whatever, and then the rest like probably won't see it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've noticed that like with celebrities, like because the my theory stemmed from when like Justin Bieber posted a link to I think it was like the Call Me Maybe video because he was the one that started that. Yeah, he had 30 million followers. The video got three million views overnight, and that's 10. percent So I'm like, that must be true, categorically, which is stupid math, not founded on any research, <laughs> but it's my theory. So you're gonna get like 100 views on this. At least 100 people will look at the link, and then some subset of that will <laughs> click on it and listen to me rambling. Rocking, yeah. People listened last week. I was like, I was excited, man. You know, I was like very worried. And, Do you have uh, the the thing where you can see who's listening to it? Um. No, you what is that? That's a, if you get SoundCloud Pro, you can see who what? listens, but only if they have a SoundCloud account, and probably mm. not. Most laymen don't have SoundCloud accounts, but yeah, uh, I uh, I submitted it to the iTunes Store. Um, I'm trying to get is it. Is it like a process? Real, yeah, you have to submit it, and then like someone listens to it, and you have to get like an RSS feed, and like okay, um, you have to have like a separate website to like host it and stuff. Oh like wow, that. that's like really intense. Shouts out to Squarespace. Uh, yeah, this is this is podcast has been sponsored by Squarespace. Get I, your space square. <laughs> I wish it, they would sponsor this podcast. I really wanted um, to do a commercial. Just I don't know why. I was like, I need to like. Do you want to do a Squarespace commercial? Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. Okay. Squarespace, square your space. Space is it square? It should be. I got all these circle spaces. Oh my god, I got all these spaces that are just a rhombus. How I make them more streamlined and mainstream. Visit squarespace.com. Do you to not know what the word space. rhombus means? You want to start a <laughs> website the only dedicated? I said rhombus <laughs> because a couple weeks ago you said something you didn't really know what a rhombus was. I don't know what a rhombus was. It's a diamond. <laughs> it shouldn't be a diamond. That bums me out. Because that was too anticlimactic for you? Yeah, well, that's like a cool word. <laughs> rhombus. And diamond's not? Fucking lame. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's what this is really about. Is Mac and Carol, just the arbiter of what words are cool. Yeah, well, it's like rhombus. Has, you know, it's spelled cool. It looks cool. I think I was watching an episode of Adventure Time the other day. Sure. And Finn just said rhombus. And you were like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like because I like in that show, like, instead of expletives, they'll just say math terms. And oh, just, really? Yeah. Oh, I like, like that. Like, instead of, like, shit, they'll just be like, mathematical or, like, rhombus. Or <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah. I just know my little brother watches it and I have no idea what it's about. And there's, yeah. but, there's but there's all these songs on it. Like, I'll walk by and there'll be this, like, amazing song playing. And I'll be like, yeah. what is that? And it'll be like, Adventure Time. And I'll be like, what? And it's like, a beautiful show. I know it's really, like, interesting and, like, well beyond, like, normal children's programming. It's a beautiful show. Like, I watch that show very sincerely, like, as a 20-year-old, you know. <laughs> um... And part of it is, like, nostalgic, like, oh, this would be fun if, like, a kid were doing this. But, like, the show has this incredible capacity to be, like, very profound. And, like, a lot of the subject matter is, like, very deep. And, mm-hmm. like, I mean, a lot of it's, like, silly and horrible, you know. But it's, like, it doesn't pander, you know, at That's all. That's good. And it, like, really, like, gets into some heavy shit. And it's just super dope. That was the kind of and, stuff I always uh, liked when I was younger. Like, I really liked Looney Tunes, um, specifically mm-hmm. Daffy Duck. Because he it didn't, I didn't feel like I was being pandered to. I didn't, I couldn't yeah. articulate it when I was five, but he was my favorite. <laughs> yeah, that was exactly what I That's sounded like. You. That was exactly right. <laughs> you did it better than I ever could dream. Um, but yeah, I was like, I really liked, especially the episode that was like meta, where like he's talking directly to his animator, but then the animator turns out to be Bugs Bunny. 
That's my really? favorite episode of television, I think, of all Shit. time. I gotta check that out. It's really good. And the, there's one part that I remember specifically where, like, so he get all of his body gets erased except for his beak. And then mm. the animator draws it back in and it's like a flower on his head and like a weird spotted body that's like meant to, I guess, like emasculate him or whatever. And then there's like a flag sticking out of his tail and it's a screw and a baseball. So he's a screwball. <laughs> and it took me a very long time as a child to understand it. And I was like, that's a strange flag. And then I was like, he's calling him a screwball. <laughs> Genius. Like, I really, but I really love that. I can't remember what it's call for life me but it's a mm. tremendous pro- piece of programming i feel like yeah. a golden globe yeah well that you should check out adventure time man i'll listen to john mayer okay and, and, watch I'll, and i'll watch time. adventure time <laughs> cultural exchange are you gonna watch the oscars i to nizzle i'm jesus <laughs> i was really hoping that was gonna fly <laughs> under the radar <laughs> I, I i can't i, um, <laughs> I can't to nizzle means tonight i, and, I did uh, believe that <laughs> oh boy oh wow well <laughs> brought to you by squarespace <laughs> i um yeah i i might i mean like like I said, I'm friends with a bunch of film majors, so I like. I feel like if they do something where the Oscars, if they're like, "Well, we're all watching the Oscars," I'll go watch it. Yeah. But and my roommates might put. On, I don't know. It's one of those things that like I know that I is like everyone's gonna be talking about tomorrow. Yeah, I haven't seen any of the movies. Stupid. Oh, I haven't seen any of them. What's up? What's it? What is it even? All I know Revenant? is that it's really heavily whitewashed, like it was last <laughs> year. And Chris Rock is hosting it this year. He is hosting it, and everyone's is he, excited is to he see what he's going to say. No, everyone's excited <laughs> to see what he's going to say about the nominees. Because okay. I saw some tweet that was really funny. It was like all the best actress nominees look like the different, uh, the same woman at different stages of her life, mm. um, which is funny. Uh, it's humor uh, comedy, <laughs> and it's a funny humor comedy. And I, uh, I don't, I haven't seen any of the movies. Um, yeah. And I almost never do see the movies that are nominated for Oscars mm. because I'm a bad member of society and I just keep watching Good Wanting over and over again. I fucking love that movie. It's a great film. You're the one that told me about it. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. Apparently, like, it's not cool to like that movie. Like, Oh, I, I had no idea about that. <laughs> I thought I was, I actually thought I was aggressively cool. Me fucking for too. It. And I said it. To, I said I was talking to the film kids. Like, what's your favorite movie? I was like, Good Will Hunting. And I'm like, Oh yeah, it's a good film. And I was like, oh, Okay, good. I'm film school clear. kids like that movie? I don't know if all. Of, I have yeah. a very small sample size. I can't. <laughs> I can't speak to that for sure. Um, but I don't know. The second favorite movie is Being John Malkovich, which is a. Very, I haven't seen that one. It's very strange, and I just. I the reason I like it might be because I watched it while I had a fever, and it's already mm. the trippiest movie of all time. And when you have 102 fever and you watch it, you think the world is ending. Is that Charlie Kaufman? That the stars of it are, by Cameron Diaz, John Malkovich, I believe, John Cusack. I don't remember who directed it, because I'm not that much of a movie buff. <laughs> I just watched. It I haven't I like, seen it. I, I think it might like, be Charlie Kaufman. This is so cool. I was in. I was at. I was in town for. In town. I was in line for uh, the podcast Harmontown the other day. And I was talking to this guy in front of me, and he was just telling me all the things that I needed to watch mm. <laughs> that I hadn't consumed yet. That gets overwhelming. Yeah, and. uh it was like it started off a very cool conversation. Then the guy was basically just being like, "All right, you need to listen to these podcasts. You need to listen to these records. You need to watch these movies and like Who play is these this guy? video Where's games." Where does this guy get off? What is I he don't doing? Fucking know. Tell was, me how to live my life. He was from Canada. That's oh, okay. <laughs> so he's one of those impolite Canadians going against the grain. Yeah, um, but he was telling me I needed to watch a bunch of Charlie Kaufman movies, and I think that Being John Malkovich was one of them. And then like uh, Eternal Sunshine, Happiness, oh, and Spotless Mind. I need to see that. I need to see that too. That's a movie that cool people talk about all oh, the time. They say it a lot. Seen. They're like Eternal oh, Sunshine, Spotless. I'm like, yeah, man. Yeah. Those are the same people that talk about the Smiths. <laughs> it is. You know? There's an overlap. All the yeah. stuff that I haven't seen. There's all heard. this culture that I haven't consumed yet. Um, I was talking to someone the other day, and I was like, "Don't you wish you could just like go on an island for a month, just not and just consume the culture that you need to catch up on? Like you have no responsibilities, and you just like have like Netflix and Spotify, and you just all you do is just sit, yeah. and you just get it all in. But time but, would need to stop because there's shit happening now. You know? Yeah, that's true. And there's just like this is something I tell, used to talk about with my friend Matt Smale in high school all the time too, like. 
it's fucked up, but it's also kind of beautiful. Like I, I have this very egotistical culture consuming mind that like anytime I'm buying a record or like scrolling through Spotify or at, even at a bookstore, I'm just like, I need to consume all of the culture <laughs> and I'm going to become the master of albums. <laughs> master I'm going to listen to all the albums. And it's just a very egotistical thing where I want to like, the, the reason I want to listen to everything and consume everything is because I want to win or something. And I want... <laughs> <laughs> what a strange game you're playing. Yeah, well, it's like I want to I want like I want to have the identity of being a knowledgeable, cultured person more so than like I just want to enjoy the culture. You know what I'm saying? That's like, fair. Obviously, it always comes back to that. But like the idea that I- I'm going to listen to every record <laughs> is ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? Because I'll go to a used record store and I'll, you know, just like look around and I'll be like, fuck, man, what do I know? Maybe 10% of these albums? Maybe? You know what I'm saying? You go through the used section, you yeah. just fucking leaf through that shit. I don't know any of these goddamn records, <laughs> you know? And it's kind of a beautiful journey, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Because once you realize that you're never going to climb that mountain, <laughs> it becomes like, you know, you're just you're you're always looking for the next record, and that's kind of like awesome. Oh, absolutely. And frustrating because it's like, my ego gets very frustrated because it's like, you mean I can't win? (laughs) (laughs) You know, like a season of a show like Breaking Bad, like you can watch all of Breaking Bad and you can become the... The expert of Breaking Bad. (laughs) Yeah, or like have watched it and have consumed it, but just like, there's just so many goddamn records. That's (laughs) true. You know what I'm saying? I think that's kind of like why, um, I mean, on like a larger scale, like some people like can't, like can't handle like actively pursuing like creative things. Like Mm. I, I have a point. This is, makes sense. Um, it's because it's like very. It's all about process, and some people are yeah. like too goal oriented to like handle like the process. Like for example, like writing a novel. I really want to like be a published novelist. Like yeah. as a, like a I guess like a tertiary, a quaternary. I don't know what the thing is below tertiary. Quaternary secondary? sounds good. No, Wait. above that is secondary. Oh, and then below for the fourth one. Yeah, whatever's below tertiary. I think it's fornary. Fornary. Yeah. I want the the, the, the tetranary. Yeah. I want that one. Um, that's like I really oh, I fucking would, shit. I would tetranary like to- and quaternary sound very correct. <laughs> they, they both sound. <laughs> they good. both sound equally correct. <laughs> <laughs> so I really want to publish a novel, but like the thing about writing a novel is it's difficult. I don't know if you know that, but it's very hard. <laughs> um, and my senior year of high school, I wrote a manuscript of a young adult novel, and technically the first draft is done. So like it's yeah. it's sixty three thousand words, which is like the length of a young adult novel, Ooh. and like I have to edit it because it's it's the first draft, which means by definition it's bad. Um, but like there's a lot of people who like can't even finish a first draft, and I'm like not trying to act like I'm superior to them because like the editing is really the bulk of the work anyway. But like people have trouble like being like thing of like where you can't win because it's like oh like it takes yeah. so much time to accomplish this or like like you can't ever be the best at like songwriting for example yeah and so it's people who just give up because they're not going to be the best (laughs) i have i mean i had friends like that all the time who like were creative types like in high school and i'd talk about how i write all the time like oh yeah i've written 400 songs oh i wrote 100 poems whatever i'm like yeah i've written like five poems and i'm like how like because every time i sit down i want it to be the best yeah i'm like oh my god that would cripple me they're like i am i am intellectually crippled (laughs) well that keeps me from doing shit a lot of times you know i'm saying like i i still create stuff and i i still like uh you know, like, I know, like, I'm not going to be the best songwriter ever, but, like, there's a part of my ego that's, like, fucking, yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, like, yeah, whenever I'm not doing anything, it's always just, like, the fear of it not being perfect, the fear of it not being the best. Like, that's what keeps me from doing shit. And whenever I'm, like, I'm just going to lower the bar, like, and then I'll actually do something. I think my life experience up to this point has, like, forced me to confront perfection as an impossible ideal. Mm. And I 
have put a lot of pressure on myself to be perfect, not just like in creative pursuits, but like in physical appearance, because society told me to. And like in terms of like my like interpersonal relationships, like I need to have a lot of friends and they need to all like, like everyone needs to like me. That's a thing that's really weird. Oh, I have that shit. We're like, and I, but I have this weird dichotomy where like I, everyone needs to like me or everyone needs to hate me because I need everyone to like me so that I can have all these friends or I need yeah. everyone to hate me so I can be the really cool loner who the, it's me against the world and then I'm the underdog. Can you talk, about, in the end. Can you talk about that second one? Cause that okay. sounds like, okay. So <laughs> my, constant fear <laughs> because okay so I, I obviously you don't like your dreams not like for everyone to hate you but like whenever i confront like being liked i'm like i'm like i'm gonna deal with that but then like <laughs> i don't know the, the way that i explain it is just like there's a certain pleasure that you can take in being the underdog and like being right. the one that overcomes in the end yeah and so like i feel like if i can't have the thing where everyone likes me i want to at least have a perfect experience as an underdog <laughs> Like in but high the school, the nuance, the in between, that's then like it's uncomfortable because yeah. then I don't because then now I don't know, right? Because there's, there's there are archetypes at either end. You're the yeah. hero, or you're the fucking not anti-hero, but you're the fucking the one you're against the world. Yeah, you know? it's me against the world, and like I, so like the, the problem with being in the middle, which of course all of humanity yeah. is, except for like <laughs> Hitler, maybe, and even he had followers, Hitler like, and Christ. Yeah, like that's pretty much what it is, and like not even though, not yeah, Shit, there's not, so much, there's so much <laughs> nuance ground on both of those. There's guys. so much nuance, <laughs> and the problem is that like now when I encounter a person a new person i don't know whether or not they like me or not i don't have my guidebook to be like oh everyone likes me so they like me everyone hates yeah. me they hate me so i have to figure that out and i'm constantly going back and forth trying to decide if they like me or not yeah which is unproductive because it doesn't actually matter because <laughs> not everyone has to like you yeah even I've speaking learned. of hitler and christ like there are people that i'm sure you know they're like jesus christ there are people that people are like hate, hate that guy you know, and or... people who are super pro hitler exactly and so the fact that like those guys have nuanced opinions about them but not me yeah <laughs> like, I, I won't let people i don't want not like me <laughs> you know and i think like, it's something that like i've kind of clung to like in coming to college because like obviously like, you start fresh like you start yeah. over again like there's all these new people and they get to like form new opinions of you and you're not trapped in what people thought about you for the last four years um and i would like tell people i'd be like oh yeah like i was kind of like weird in high school because that's this narrative that i've like crafted for myself which yeah. is that i was like the weird kid in high school and it was yeah, true you said it like five times in this podcast yeah well i am i am strange like that's that's totally to, to no one no one can do dispute that I'm strange <laughs> but I mean like the, the narrative of being like the, oh, the weird girl in high school like exactly was kind of true self mythology like, though yeah it was know? it was a self-fulfilling prophecy and like it was just like by the end of high school like I was on student government and like I did have a group of friends and there are a lot of people that didn't like me but like yeah it wasn't this thing that I'd crafted in my mind that like was an easier like I, people make these simpler narratives for others as a way of not understanding them but they also do that for themselves totally and this is getting get away out <laughs> Quite there. meta. Yeah. yeah, but I think that's so stupid. Like, we need to let ourselves be whole people and, like, let sometimes people don't like you and sometimes they do. Yeah, it's hard, though. It's, it's very interesting. Like, it's hard to call yourself out. Because a lot of times, like, I won't even realize I've been telling myself I'm a certain way, you know? Like, because I think everyone mythologizes themselves to some degree and the way that you frame your past, like every time that you tell that story to someone else, like it subtly changes, it subtly changes. Yeah. And then you like see a photograph of yourself. Like I always told people I was fat as a kid. Like I was like, Oh, I was a fat kid, you know? And mm -hmm. then I just like slowly started to just spew that to people. Like, and then I would just like look back at pictures of myself and be like, Nope. <laughs> you know, I, you know, I definitely, like I just had like horrible body image problems. And then like, I clung to that mythology. Yeah, of, like, exactly. I was a fat kid. I was a weird fit. I had no friends. I'm like, you had a friend. You had a friend or two. <laughs> just be, you know, you felt alone. And that's different than like than actually than having no friends. Yeah, <laughs> you know? and I mean, like we turn um, 
we turn the past into a narrative exactly reflexively as human beings which is why like history is usually taught like a story they're like this happened and then this happened as if it's this linear thing that at the time made sense the people that were experiencing it and we definitely do that with our own lives because there's not as many elements yeah and we can very easily be like oh yeah like this is the chain of events that led me to who i am today and that's my story and yeah but like there's so many factors that are out of our control and that at the time seemed important that we now dismiss as unimportant. Like, yeah, we turn, I don't know why we turn the past into a narrative, but I guess it makes it easy, but it's I guess dumb. so. I don't know. Cause like I, I'm, I'm still do, like when you called me out on it the other day, like anytime I write like a bio about myself or my band, it's, there's always like sweatiness involved. Yeah. <laughs> you know, anytime I'm describing myself, I'm like, sweaty. I'm sweaty, I'm white, I'm sad, I'm neurotic. Like I have this, <laughs> I have a fucking mythology that I, you know, evangelize to everybody, you know? Oh my God. And, uh, I just think it's interesting, and I think it's... Yeah, I feel like people meet you, like, this guy's not that sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> I was promised sweat, goddammit. His shirt's dry, I'm out. <laughs> Come on, Gladys, we're leaving. We're going to that sweatier <laughs> show down the street. <laughs> but, um, like, honestly, you know, like, there, there are these weird concrete details that I find at least myself clinging you know now that i'm realizing is that as artists we kind of have to do that because you have to brand yourself and so like if you tell people like (sighs) that's so sad (laughs) it is okay yes we shouldn't do it to ourselves okay we shouldn't do it to ourselves but to an extent like the thing about no you're right i just like yeah the uh, the whole just networking and branding kills my my heart (laughs) i know it's like necessary and that's the only way and i wish that i could just like sit and wait for someone to find my music but i have to tell people to find it yeah no and, and like at the end of the day even people that are being themselves like they still have a persona you know what i'm saying there still is a construction and if I element was, to yeah it. if i was my whole self all the time for everyone i probably like wouldn't have any friends like you know what i'm saying like you have to you have to selectively like show like especially as an artist like you show your your onstage persona it's not a hundred percent of you it's and it, and it can't yourself, be you, you know what i'm saying exaggerate. even yeah. like mark maron or uh father john yeah, like mark or- maron's not pissed off at everyone <laughs> all of the time because yeah he's probably angry a lot but like you yeah. know it's obviously like this exaggerate i think he talked about that with pete holmes possibly there was some maybe it was bill burr they were like talking about how yeah it was bill burr he was mm. talking about how like he put like his comedy is him as this like angry guy who's pissed off and he's like delineating things are wrong with the world yeah but, like at his core like yeah he gets mad about things but he's not just an angry guy because no one's right. one emotion but there's still truth in that and yeah. i think that like, you can still be authentic and truthful even though you have these different roles that you play definitely um but i just i mean sorry to derail you but it's, it's just fine. like the word branding and networking that just <laughs> makes me so sad you know because it feels yeah. like you have to change what you do um you know and dumb it down or water it down or, or something and this like punk rock 12 year olds like eh, fucking no i'm gonna be myself <clears throat> like I don't know. Yeah, what, I wonder when what that voice was. I wonder when I was writing. So I have a blog that no one reads, and it's really. What's your blog called? It's cool. It's jensenmccray.blogspot.com. I, this is the blogspot URL that I mentioned the other day. Yeah, I am, um, and it's it's called music comma ink spelled I N K period. So you know, like ink like incorporated. I was yeah. like, this is a great pun um so it's like mostly just me posting playlists every month of like what i listen to yeah um but it's also just like randomly whenever i have a thought i like expound upon that thought and i write a pithy blog post about it Mm. um i did not know this i it's i don't post on social media a lot because my senior this is an aside to an aside but my (laughs) senior year a lot of people started (laughs) a lot of people started like making blogs i guess to put on their college applications and by that point i'd been doing my blog for like two years i was like oh i can't post it now everyone's gonna think i'm doing it for college which is a stupid thought i should just post it but in, in any case i don't really advertise i advertise it a little bit on twitter but i don't post about it much um but i was like 
I completely lost my train of thought. I was plugging my blog. But I had a blog post about something that was relevant to what we were talking about. And you guys can go find it yourselves. Rocking, man. Do you, like, what's, I mean, wow. I had a thought, too, and then I lost it. We're just, Um, we're talking about a lot of things. Yeah. Oh, shit. Let's come back to reality for a second. I have have one friend who I Snapchat a lot and will send Snapchats at such a rapid rate with so much text on them that, that, like, the conversation will just, there'll be too many threads and it'll go off in all these different directions. We're like, why aren't we calling each other? Do you mean, like, Snapchat photographs or, like, Snapchat chat? Like, photographs, like, with text on the, like, it's us making dumb faces with text for no reason other than that (laughs) one of us will send the other one a Snapchat and then it will evolve into this conversation. So, witty back and forth. And then you're trapped in this medium. And then we're trapped. (laughs) I have often, and I don't know if you've ever been trapped in the social media thing where you're Snapchatting and texting the same person at the same time, and you That's don't know which one to crazy. give up on. I, I've not had that ever. This happen. is why I hate the phone. <laughs> I hate I hate the phone. I love and I hate it. I love social media. I think it's funny, and I think yeah. it's like a great a form of escapism for me because like so many of my pursuits are like intellectual and creative, and so it's really fun for me to go on social media and like like a picture of someone's sunset. But like at the same time, I'm also like get it off of me. Like it's gross and get it off me. Yeah. I never feel that more acutely than when I tried to use dating apps. How did that go? <laughs> In a word, bad. Um, I've I've never tried them. Oh my what's god! That, what's okay. that world like from an introspective person like yourself? It's so it's garbage. Person with a heart like yeah, yourself, with a, with a beating heart inside of my body. Um, yeah, I just I don't know. I felt like I was like, you know what? I'm sick of like being rejected in everyday life. I'm gonna get a little thing where I can choose who I like, and I say I'm my decision. Yeah. And so I got like four different dating apps, and I was just like, they're all the same basically, and a lot of the same people use all of them, so you encounter the same person. Like I already thought you were gross. Goodbye. Mm. Um, but basically, it's like this really false sense of validation. Like I have a hundred matches, and like so what? Like that doesn't amount to anything. And also like the conversations, I feel so stilted. And like at the end of the day, like I know I'm gonna wind up with a person that I already know and that I'm already comfortable around and not some fake guy that I found on the internet that like I Craigslisted. I don't I feel so stupid and fake. Like I know people meet online. I know yeah. it's it's good and that's what I tell myself like when No my... one on the internet is real. <laughs> exactly. My roommates are like, Jensen, you're on another dating app and I'm like, Yeah, statistics show that people are meeting online more than ever. I have like good friends that that uh that met on dating apps i like, know and they're in like long-term like committed beautiful relationships i'm just like but i laugh when they're i'm like you met on tinder what the <laughs> fuck and i'm just but i'm I, i'm too i'm too uh i think maybe at some point i'll like give up but like at this point i'm so sentimental and gross that yeah. like i can't like I, if i met the person in first of all there's just the fear element of me being like oh my yeah. god i'm gonna meet up with this stranger <laughs> maybe he'll murder me alternately maybe he doesn't look like he does in his photos alternately maybe he's boring biggest problem he's probably boring that's yeah. the issue i feel like this is a very egocentric thing for me to think but i feel like i've already met all the interesting people i already know them <laughs> <laughs> and if there's more of them out there why haven't they found me yet because i'm fascinating <laughs> that's a crazy thought <laughs> that i have all the time yeah like i already know i'm like oh my i go to usc i'm you a pop major i know so i'm like guys this is me taking over <laughs> for mac and uh he's dismissed happy set talk thing is Please, now my I, podcast i'm not fucking making sentences right now please steer the ship yeah because i'm making a lot of sense <laughs> but like um fuck what was i gonna say um oh christ dating is fucking weird 
it's garbage. You know? I hate it. Because it, it, I think it goes hand in hand with that networking thing. There's this weird like branding. You're yeah, branding. Yourself. You're branding yourself. You're fucking selling yourself. And it's it's awesome having like like friends like we have where you can kind of be your neurotic crazy self around. I feel like that's the person. I have one really good friend that is like super against dating his close friends. Like very vehemently against it. And he brings it up mm. a lot. Like he talks about like I don't want to ruin friendships. I don't like I think it's bad. Like you should never yeah. date your close friends. And I am so of a different camp on that. Like I, yeah. at, when, I when we first started having the conversations, I was like, yeah, don't do that. And then I was like, wait a minute, who's better to date than someone that you already know you like? Yeah. I mean, like I, on the one hand, it's like, oh, when the relationship goes south, like maybe you lose the friendship, which like is something that I don't have any experience with because like I'm not like a Casanova. But like I, I don't know. I think that it's a it's good. Sometimes relationships start being from strangers, but I feel like it's good if you start from already knowing and liking the person. Yeah, because it's just the 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 whole like sitting across a table from a person and just being like just trying to think of interesting things see to I don't want to do that I've never been on a date and I don't want to that sounds like, like, terrible <laughs> like I my only like I I go to parties sometimes because those are fun and I go to them and I like meet people and I talk to them and that's already feel stilted enough like what are you studying where are you from are you yeah it's and that then, type like, of stuff and so like anytime you're like I don't know maybe I'm just bad at meeting new people that's what, <laughs> that's what you have to do to make friends right and it's not like anyone having small talk is an artificial human being and like yeah you can have genuine small talk you know what I'm that's saying? with genuine interest just the idea that, like, oh, maybe I shouldn't tell her about my, like, really strange thoughts about Christianity, <laughs> you know, and, like... Yeah, I hate that there's that moment of, like, can I say this or not Yeah, and just the fact that there's a filter in place. But there, there I mean, honestly, there's always a, some kind of filter in place, but, but it's just so apparent when you're dating, There's situations... You know? And, like, I, I have to stand up straighter and, like, oh, be I, not be posture. this, like, representative of so myself. Now I'm so of my posture. I think yeah. I've been slouching so much. Um, <laughs> Me too. But yeah, like I, there's some situations where the filters like go away. Like I feel like Grammy camps one of those places where it was just like we were only together for ten days. So it was just like this weirdly like artificial <laughs> thing where it was just like anyone. Like I'm still really good friends with most of the people that I met there. Really? But like, well, I a handful. But some of them <laughs> I don't talk to anymore because I was like, oh, this was like completely artificial because we yeah. were in this weird like concentrated bubble. And I feel like mm-hmm. there's whenever I'm in a situation where that can go away. Like when I was on the slam poetry team in high school, yeah. like we all bonded while we were at the competition. It was like this big movie where. We like oh my god slam poetry would you world. mind if i drank this water you know what we can knock share yourself this out. water you knock yourself out okay i'm sorry it's fine you're a thirsty sweaty guy i'm a thirsty sweaty guy there's a lot of input output it's a gross way to put it i like that though it's accurate um woo. but yeah like any like like that was a time also when like we were all like just like confessing things to each other and it was so dramatic and then we got up into the slam poem and everyone was crying and hugging and like we all yeah. took pictures of each candid photos of each other and it was all so revealing but it's like then after that was over and i was like am i talking to these people anymore not really so like there's a, something to be said for the small talk thing because it allows for a slow build mm. as opposed to like the oh my god everything's happening at once and then not as much because we oh that was a mistake like you know what i mean there's some people who that you can have a quick spark at the beginning and then it lasts that's like a very special kind of situation as, mm. Like I've so many, I've seen so many friendships like start and then just like fizzle out because it was like, oh, oops, we said so many things to each other, and now yeah. we should not have said it. But then I've seen other things where it's like, oh, we already know everything, so we can skip the awkward part. Yeah. What I'm saying is that humanity is never changing mosaic of uh, galaxies, and uh, we're all just stars rotating in them. <laughs> can I ask you about slam poetry? Please do. Just um. I mean, like, versus writing a tune, like, do you feel like you're more free in slam poetry? Yes. Like yeah? Because slam poetry rewards uh, openness and mm. rawness to an extent that even surpasses music. That's what I was kind of asking about, because, I, like, you were talking earlier about um, 
like the songwriting and, right. and like not wanting to. Maybe... I go ham in the slam poetry. Like, That's what I, I was I put it wondering all out there. about. I'm trying to think like of a good. I mean, okay. So, my... so what's the difference in the mediums to you that 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 allows you to do one in one area, not in the other? I think it's less a difference in the media as it is the community surrounding it, because mm. music is this thing that's accessible to everyone, and like even within like the songwriting community, like it's not because it's set to music. It has this sort of like it's le- I don't know less confessional quality, I guess. With slam poetry, like you are standing on a stage just <laughs> screaming, like that's you're just yeah. yelling, and. I don't know. There's just something about. Th- I guess maybe it's also because of the culture that's been like created around it, like the mythology around it. Like when I watch the most popular slam poetry videos, like on YouTube, it's people talking about extremely personal things in vivid detail, but also with like art and like like it's very artistic. Yeah, like, totally. Good slam poetry has to have like an artistry and like metaphor and like rhythm and like it has to have a yeah. point. But like people talk about like just like rape and depression and like family like really personal family issues and they just lay it all out there for strangers to see and that is considered the norm like i feel like if you didn't get personal and raw in at least some capacity like it's like the poems like it doesn't have as much impact Mm. whereas with songwriting if you like keep it relatively like surface level and it's but it's a good well-constructed song people might still buy it with slam poetry mm. and also think it has to do with the fact that it's such a niche market like not even though like the, some of the videos have millions of views on YouTube the slam poetry community is very small yeah um i don't know i guess like i, I feel like compelled to do it like whenever i write about uh like i wrote this one slam poem with one of my friends uh that didn't end up like getting posted on YouTube or anything thankfully um but it was just like we both were like combining like our like romantic experiences into this one like narrative because they were like crossover yeah. and like we like like I said quotes from the conversations that we had and like she was like this is the color of his eyes and I was like damn like <laughs> and like it was just like so specific that like yeah. that was just like what that was, that's just like the cult, the nature of it it's less so like I mean part of it is the fact that you're screaming a poem and like a song mm. it's like oh I'm singing I'm a little bit a little bit a level of removal from it I guess um but also like the the community surrounding it that's interesting I'm fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I'm I'm very fascinated by slam poetry, but I mean, I don't. I've never really had that outlet, you know. Um, and I definitely get too specific. You may, me, songs. maybe you'll find that's like a maybe you'll find like a way to. That's also maybe why I can balance yeah. it because I'm like, oh, I'm gonna go write this slam poem that's so specific and yeah. like so raw, and then this song. Well, because for you, it's tact. It's not like a I can't go to this place emotionally. It's like strategically. I don't think it would be beneficial to. Yeah. Like, it's the wrong arena. Also, I don't know if you feel this way, but, like, even though I write songs that are super emotionally raw, like, I don't think I could ever have, like, a super raw emotional conversation. Like, I mean, I could, but, like, it's so much harder for me to, like, say the emotions than to sing them. Yeah? Like, I, like if I could write a song that's like, says all the things that I want to say to a person, <laughs> and then if they were, like, sit in front of me and be like, so do you want to elaborate on that song you wrote about me? I'd be like, um... I do not want to do that. I would rather talk, make some jokes because I'm, let's do funnies. Oh my goodness. Sorry. <laughs> the guy peeping in the window. Rude. Fucking rude. I hate that guy. You can't have an emotional conversation? I can. I have done it. Um, but it's just like, it's, it takes a very special circumstance and yeah. it's just in general, singing about it is easier, which is 
Did you ever consider having a melodic conversation? Where I just like start humming. I'm like, yeah. So basically, I have some issues, with, and they're like, uh, what, uh, what, can you? What? Some issues with you. And they're like, can you please? Can you, I'm really angry. Can no, please, please. Can you take this? We're trying to have. Can a, you put this in minor at least? Like, <laughs> uh, no, because I'm trying to create a sense of contrast with the tone. Oh man, um, I have this weird uh, prop like. I usually have this weird problem because this whole podcast is about talking about our weird problems. <laughs> Believe it or not, I have a strange problem. Oh I'm my! Just checking the time to make sure we're not like it's not midnight right now. Okay, yeah, it's, not, it's not midnight. Good point early because I have no idea where I am. I have no idea what time yeah. it is. <laughs> um, what was I gonna say? You have a strange problem. I have a strange problem. Um, just go. We're like list. some like, and I I don't do this anymore. <laughs> but sometimes I would write a song about someone, and then I would like have to play it for them you know wow which is fucked up in a lot of ways <laughs> i just i mean it's bold it's not Wait, when it, you say when you have to play it for them you mean like in a one-on-one setting yeah sometimes dude <laughs> see i don't i've done that and that's fucking weird controlling manipulative i did that one time it's not good i did that one time when i was in ninth grade I had like a boyfriend air quotes. Yeah. It was like very like we were just friends who liked each other. That was there was nothing else. But I wrote a song about him because I wrote a bunch because I was like having mm. little baby 14 year old feelings. And for some reason, I was like, I'm going to elevate this to the next level. I'm going to play in the song. So I <laughs> straight up like basically locked him in a room <laughs> with my back. Like so the piano was there was a piano. My back yeah. was to him because there was a small like practice room at our middle school. Yeah. My back was to him. And so I couldn't see his reaction very calculated on my part didn't mean i mean i couldn't control where the piano was but Mm. it was a good move and i played not even the whole song because after the first verse i was like this is a terrible idea and then i finished the chorus and then i stopped and i turned around and he was like i loved it (laughs) and i was like thank you and then it was so uncomfortable (laughs) and we just left the room and didn't talk about it again and i was just like i'm never doing that again so the fact that you do that is probably a good thing because it allows you to get the finish so. it comes full circle it feels like a closure moment and i think that's why i was attracted to it initially because it's like this would be the ultimate closure if i you know right like sang the song to this girl but like closure is a goddamn myth like closure it is doesn't yeah. okay because i'm looking for closure <laughs> and i'm like should i just i just give up on it you i think, think closure is overrated okay. personally um and i think well I, it just at least in my life like a lot of times where i've been looking for closure i've just been dragging shit out <laughs> Sure. Oh, you know what? Relatable. You know, and like, I'm just like, I just need closure. And then like, I'm like, I re- should I really be sending kind of BS, right? Because like, kind of BS. Because you don't actually need the closure. You just want to keep yeah. having the situation be happening to you because it's very emotionally like dramatic and never shifting. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's true too. But I think there are certain times where I definitely am like, I wish I like, I want this relationship to like, I want to close the book. You know what I'm saying? And but it's just like. I mean, I guess the the only, the only really way to do that is to like cut someone out of your life forever. Exactly. But then your relationship to them still continues, even if you never contact them, because you you're still it interacting was... with those memories. And yeah. Like, I mean, they've altered your perspective to some degree. Also, you know? like at least in my experience, when I've wanted closure, I didn't actually want closure. I wanted an opening. I didn't want to close the book <laughs> on the relationship. I wanted to get what I wanted months earlier. Exactly. But I'm just like, oh no, I need to talk to them and I need to say all this stuff because I want closure. But what I actually want to do is confess my feelings and have them say, <laughs> me too. Yeah. That's, so it's I. So that's why I'm like, I mean, I or I've admit never that they were wrong or something. Oh like, my god. Like just it, closure, like for me, like has just been like I want a specific outcome. I, 
but usually like, either I want like an apology or like yes, whatever I want, exactly. some stupid selfish thing yeah. that I want. And it's like it's not fair to that person because they it's moved not. on a long time ago. And, like, <laughs> there's and I have oh my god, I concoct the craziest scenarios in my mind. Like I had this idea to like write um my friend a letter, like this friend that I'd like fallen out of touch with. I was like, I'm gonna yeah. write him a letter. And I'm going to say, like, all the stuff I want to say. And I'm going to ask him questions. I'm going to be like, look, you don't have to answer this. But, like, you should. And, like, I want you to write a letter to someone. And you're, I had this whole thing. I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And then I didn't write it. And I didn't send it. And I'm so glad. Because yeah. that would it was a one in the morning when I came up with this brilliant idea. And I told, ideas. I told a couple of my friends about <laughs> Horrible it. Horrible ideas are I told a couple of my friends about it. And they're like, you should totally do that. Because they wanted to see how this ridiculous nonsense would play out. <laughs> but I didn't do it. And it was a good idea because you should never do that. You should let people live their lives. Exactly. And like, yeah. So I just, for me, like, and honestly, closure like, doesn't exist. Closure doesn't exist. And also, like, if something, if a person is, like, meant to give you the apology or the fulfillment or whatever, like, they're going to come around eventually. Yeah. Might be one of those things where it's, like, 20 years from now you see each other in a coffee shop and they're like, you know what? Why, why is it always coffee shops, by the way? Because I do these twenty they're... in twenty years fantasies, and it's always in coffee shops. Oh, yeah. oh, I sometimes do it in supermarkets. For me, it's yeah. sometimes supermarket. Um... I do park sometimes in Central Park, even though like I don't know. Why I'm <laughs> always in New York when this happens in the future. Oh, I my oh god, I, I could elaborate. I have to do this all the time, essentially. Where I, in my mind, like run into people that have wronged me in oh yeah 20, 10, 10 years or twenty years. I also wrote. A... Let's let's can we please follow this? Thread? Okay, like, okay. I, this is, well, this one, is one, my wheelhouse. One, pre, one prelude <laughs> to this is that I was I was trying to write a TV show because that's a medium I haven't yet. Who to... are you? <laughs> I've yet to conquer that medium. I, I can't do it. I only wrote like three episodes. But like, I um, what the fuck, man, dude? I don't know. So I, I tried to write this TV show, and like one of the characters is um, so he's a freshman in college, and he's in like a long distance relationship with this like younger girl, and like she, they're on the phone, and he's like, they like, I I can't even remember if they're broken up or whatever, but he she's like complaining about how she misses him, and uh, he was like, remember, ten years coffee shop, and like I was gonna elaborate it later, but basically his thing was like, we're breaking up, but like, in, what if I run into you in ten years in a coffee shop? We're gonna get back together. So like that, but like their shorthand for that was like, remember, ten years coffee shop. Did he know the shorthand? Or yeah, they both. Just... No, they both knew. Oh, this is the show. Yeah, this is the show. Oh, sorry. Wait, you think I'm <laughs> this is the conversation that I had with yeah, a real person? I was like, did you develop the shorthand in real life? No, no, no. Okay. I, but I love the idea of having that shorthand. Yeah. No, but that was like the whole thing of that. Um, that the two of them had like like that like that as if they had like a date like they're like they both because like right. they didn't want to give up on their relationship oh, but they knew they had real. to too and so they had real. Like, oh my god dude i'm sorry for putting for pulling on course no it's all good but i just like they're like there are those like i've had that hypothetical conversation many times like i also wrote a short ten, story ten years shop, like, <laughs> but, and the, but i don't don't you love that like shorthand though it's like it's like this little ten years anyway shop. i'm trying to congratulate myself on my writing but yeah the point is <laughs> <laughs> the point is that I um, I definitely envision that a lot, and I feel like any time um, yeah. like a friendship or a romantic relationship hasn't worked out, I like I'll, like in my mind I like don't if it mattered to me I don't fully let it go because I'm like oh in yeah. ten years we'll run into each other and it then like it'll mend itself but Le- like it leaving won't. the door open yeah and like degree. that's that I think it's kind of a good thing. Because, like, especially because in my case, like, it's not like it's been, like, oh, it was relationships and breakups. It was like, oh, this almost happened and then it didn't. So I'm, I'm like, oh. Making I'm... sure we're still recording. Oh, abs- yeah. Don't want to lose any of these gems. <laughs> uh, yeah. We're rocking. Oh, grand. But, yeah, like, I feel like I'm, like, I, I don't want to close the book on it because it didn't actually happen. So I'm like, oh, 10 years in the coffee shop and then I'm going to fix this. Yeah. It's, it's super strange. Like, I don't know how... 
healthy it is for me when I do it. <laughs> you know, oh, it's definitely not like a brilliant <laughs> plan. I just think it's like a less. I think it's a less toxic alternative than getting like angry or like super sad. Right. You mean like okay? I know I'll have another opportunity to. Yeah, and I don't think about it that realistically. Like I know it's mm. not actually going to happen, yeah. but it's like but a you f- play that movie. I play yeah. that movie, and sometimes I write that movie. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> a, I'm a screenwriter, so I sometimes I write that down. What actually? What do you speaking of mythology and all this? Like, what do you call yourself? Do you have a title that you refer to yourself in your mind or in conversations? Word, word girl. wordsmith, word, word girl. girl. No, I don't know. <laughs> I like because every time I try to, I change my social media bios a lot because I yeah. feel like they're never right. Um, right now, my Instagram bio is just a quote from a Buddy Wakefield uh, poem because Buddy Wakefield is a sl- great slam poet. Yeah, yeah. What's the quote? Cut with venom, raw with glory. He's mm. talking about. Um, I think he was when he was at a prison because he did he does a lot of like he goes to like do slam poetry at prisons and like they have competitions there which is crazy and so cool um cool. but he was talking about he was referring to someone when he said he was cut with venom raw with glory and i was like i want someone to describe me like that so i just described myself that way Rockin'. um but yeah like i always try to write like what i do and i'm like singer songwriter screenwriter slam poet novelist essayist list and, like, maker yeah list maker <laughs> and like i always feel like i should throw in that i really like chocolate um because i feel like that makes me relatable and then i also put like that i really like stand-up comedy but like i'm like i put like comedy enthusiast or whatever because i don't do it yeah so it's this really long list of things i feel like i should shorten it but also like i'm me no, yeah no i was just curious if you were like because Joni Mitchell like identifies as a painter, and she's oh, one wow. of the best fucking songwriters <clears throat> fucking ever, and it's so goddamn frustrating because she's like, "I'm a painter first. and I'm like, "Fuck you! <laughs> your fucking second job is better than anything I'll ever do." Like, uh, Kurt Vonnegut also, shit. I think, identified as a painter. God damn it! They, I don't Where know what's wrong paintings? with them. They're bad, <laughs> dude. They're really bad. Yeah, that's interesting to me. Um, like, I would just go with what you're best at. What do you What do you call yourself? <laughs> a songwriter. I guess that's fair. Yeah. I'm not as, uh, I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully podcaster. Oh, um, yeah. True. Podcast. Uh, have you said talk thing? <laughs> aspiring podcaster. Um, oh, yeah. I also never say like, podcaster, I also I never say like amateur or aspiring. I'm just like, no, I am a screenwriter. All right. You know? Fuck yeah. I'm a podcaster. Yeah, you Look are. <laughs> I'm like, no one's ever seen any of my work, um, but I don't, I don't know. I have like a, I'm very bold and perhaps naive <laughs> about that like i was talking to one of the people that I was working on the movie on and i was like what would you do if we like got to sundance he's like we're not gonna get to sundance and i was like okay like, we'll just talk about it hypothetically he's like no, no no like this is a good film like we're gonna do well but like just like we're not gonna get to, like we're not gonna get to sundance which is like a rational thing for a rational person to say right, but for, some, for some reason in my mind i'm like i know that it's not gonna happen but for some reason i can't stop envisioning myself at sundance <laughs> crazy but i just keep imagining the facebook status i'm gonna post where i say hey oh, yeah. suckers i'm at sundance <laughs> and- oh my god dude i do that shit all the time like the the Really fucking small details about like the future that I want to have. You know, what I'm I've saying? written out my own Wikipedia page, not the whole thing, but oh! parts of it. <laughs> I model it after my idols. Like I'll go on Adele's Wikipedia page and write like, "Oh, that happened to her." Okay, I'm gonna put that in mine. <laughs> and I write out Wikipedia pages for my albums, like the reviews they're gonna yeah. get. I fucking like imagine like going on Mark Maron's podcast and talking about my super sick music career and my podcast career. <laughs> oh, I, I imagine this is the weird, weirdest probably. I imagine coming back to Thornton to pop for him. To, oh my god, all the time. I picture oh that all god, the time. Oh my god, are you serious? Okay, good. Because yeah. no one, everyone's like, oh cool. I, I do that, that every forum. Me too. <laughs> 
this we're narcissists. I this think so. I, that's definitely what this is. <laughs> Call this happy sad narcissist. Happy sad narcissist. Yeah, I just every time, especially. I mean, if it's really interesting, I'm like super engaged. But if it's like something totally. that like I don't care about, I'm like, I mean, what would I be talking about right now? <laughs> what would I be wearing? What what Grammys will I have won at this point? Yeah, how I would be really funny. I bet probably. I'm, I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm like, like me and Crystal have jokes. Yeah, exactly. We'll laugh. I'm, I'm like, you guys about... are so cute. I know I'm only 23, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I like pre-plan my banter for. <laughs> I know, and the other thing that I imagine is that um so when Scott Hoying came they like didn't put any videos of him from uh when he was at USC but there's a video of him performing like in Carson like really? four pop performance class that I've seen so it's like a cell phone video I've seen it somewhere online Shit. um but in my mind for some reason like the thing they play before I like walk on stage like the, that they've done before for all the other artists that have come in is like one of my most recent music video and then behind like after that like a video of me from like a like my freshman midterm or whatever yeah and like, and I'm like, I'm everyone being on being like, oh my god, she's just like us. And I come out, I'm like, hey guys, I am just like you, except very successful already. <laughs> and it's like not, con- not. I mean, it's a little bit condescending, but mostly it's just like me being so motivational and so aspirational. Yeah. And it's so I don't know, like if it doesn't happen, I'll be bummed because I want to come back to pop forum and talk about it. And I want to be like, oh my god, I remember like this happened to me at USC. So just so you know, because it seems bad, it's gonna get so good and like me. Yeah, I definitely want to be that guy giving advice and be like, here's the thing, everybody's saying this. Here's the real thing like i have pre-planned like, i rants. envision that because so, i'll be like when i was at pop forum this person says something on a panel here's the truth like, <laughs> but so yeah. yeah so we're bad people <laughs> um yeah i no, i, I yeah, yeah probably <laughs> no um i think i'm a good person i know i'm not a nice person but i think i'm a good person yeah and i, I don't think like picturing your dreams is a bad thing yeah you know? I, 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 and not to criticize like the people in our program because i love a lot of them but it's just like I feel like there's this level of like people think like fame is like a dirty word. And like for me, like fame, I don't want to be like famous, like to the point of being like accosted, but I want to be like really successful. Like I do. I want to be really successful. I want to receive accolades for my work Mm -hmm. and I want to be able to like live, uh, like make a living with my music and live like very comfortably, like the kind of lifestyle that I live now, like on my music. And I feel like a lot of people like, yeah, for me, it's just about getting the music out there. Like I just want to spread my message. I just want to sing my songs. And that is true for me, but I also really want financial success. Mm-hmm. And like, I know that's like not good. That's not like a good motivator, but it is one of my motivators. It's not the first on the list, but it's on there. Well, I think as a college student, it's definitely that's the, I think that takes balls to say, and that's admirable because I think Thanks. when you're surrounded by hippies, they're like, "Fuck it, man." Well, and then like after forum, like <laughs> just the, about the art, man. An industry professional come in, and ev- afterward, everyone will be like, "Oh, I hate that guy. He's such a jerk." And I'm like, "I kind of like that guy. He was a shark, and that was cool." And everyone will be like, mm. "I mean, like, yeah, but like, he was like, ugh." When he was like talking about that thing about like how you well, can you have to do business and not art, and I was like, "I'm kind of excited to do business. Like, I kind of want to do that." Yeah. And so like, that's awesome. I feel like I don't know. I feel a little bit anomalous. I mean, I'm not trying to like paint myself as this like unusual creature because i know there's other people who are like that in the program that just aren't saying it yeah um but i have i definitely am like very aware of the like my ambition like i know i really want Mm. success and i don't i don't just want to like sit and play my music like in my room and like hope maybe someone listens to my soundcloud like i I want to make a living far reach myself yeah and i and i do want my music to like have an impact on someone like i want to help someone because i know Mm. that music has helped me and the only way to do that is to like have like financial success and stability in a platform like you can't yeah it's hard to reach people if you don't have a platform Right, but I think your ultimate goal is reaching people as yeah. opposed to like, I want X amount of Twitter followers. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Ew, no, no. And I, that definitely is not, that's definitely not it. And I do yeah. think that there's some level, that there's are definitely are people who it's are like, in a got hole. my eyes on that dream car. They're yeah, like, oh, my God. Like, I hate I That's hate a that. different type of thing that maybe people are talking about when 
Yeah, and I think the that's famous involved. I think that's why people are afraid to say like I want to be famous because they think that that they're associated with like the tabloids and whatever. I want to yeah. have again to quote Mindy Kaling, like she talks about in her first book about how the exact amount of fame that she wants, mm. and like part of it is like not waiting in line for brunch, but like part of it is also <laughs> like having the ability to like inspire people, and like you yeah. need to have a certain level of you need to be well known to do yeah. that, and. I don't know, I feel like part of it that's is a probably bold, stems... That's a bold stance. <laughs> if I'm nothing, I'm not bold. I think part of that probably stems from, like, being, like, a black woman and, like, feeling there's not enough, like, positive role models. Like, we're getting more and more all the time. I the same way as a white guy. Just, like, <laughs> there's, there's not enough straight white guys' opinions I, out there. <laughs> I know, like, I, we're so underserved. But, like, every time I see, like, I don't know, like, Alicia Keys is, like, the reason that I started doing music. And I yeah. feel like she has such a great career to, like, model myself after. Um, I mean, I want to do, like, I think more stuff than her. And I, I like tweeting silly stuff too much to give that up to be, like, serious. <laughs> but um, yeah. I feel like there's not, like, it a lot. It can be part of your brand. Part of my brand. I'm really good at branding. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, whenever I see... I keep interrupting. You're in the middle of, like, your thesis as a person. And yeah, I'm like, my personal sorry. thesis. No, it's fine. It's I'm just repeating myself and saying, and yeah, a lot. Um, <laughs> I really just want to be a good... I want to be a role model to people because I don't feel like... I yeah. feel like all my role models are people that don't... Besides Alicia Keys, none of my role models look like me. Mm. And I would really like for that to be different for the next generation of like when that movie home came out and there was like the little black girl as the lead i saw a picture i put it in my cover photo on facebook for a while there's yeah. a little girl with big hair in a supermarket who is like smiling like so big like next to a poster of it mm. and i was just thinking about how when i was like three or four i'd go to the disney store with my mom and we'd be like i would start crying and i'd ask my mom where's the princess that looks like me and the guy would be like here's jasmine and i'd be like no and then like it would be this whole <laughs> thing and my mom would be yelling at this like pimply 16 yeah. year old who like, couldn't find the thing um, and that was like that was like obviously like super symptomatic of like the larger problems like there were no black Disney princesses to like what 2010 or whatever year it was yeah um, and even then she spent most of the movie as a frog <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah I, like I, I just want to be part of the shift and it's happening already like yeah. it's happening without me <laughs> but I want to continue it I want to yeah I feel like our generation ideally will be the one where like it starts to turn mm-hmm. like I feel like we're the that t- we're the time <laughs> and like i see people our age and a little bit older like starting to shift it so i feel like that's where yeah. we're headed do you mind if i like ask you just because as uh as a you know as a white guy like <laughs> i know that i am unaware of my privilege you know to some degree and like even though like i'm like you know, a progressive person and I'm like, you know, I, I can have all these opinions or whatever that are progressive and accurate and like sure. obviously have like compassion for people. But I'm just like wondering, not wondering, um, like I'm constantly asking myself like subconsciously, like just from the effect of just culture or whatever, like am I racist? Am I uh, like ho- uh, homophobic? You know, and, there like, are certain people putting those things into question. There are certain people who think that like all white people are a little bit racist and all straight people are a little bit homophobic. They like think that it's like an ingrained thing. I don't yeah. know if I'm of that. That's an camp. anxiety that I have as a white yeah. person. I don't know. You know if, I don't know if I'm of that camp. I definitely think, I mean the fact that you can like say like, I'm not aware of my privilege is like a thing that's like takes a lot of people a long time to even <laughs> get to. Like they're like, what are you talking about? Oh, privilege is hard for me too. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. Um, <laughs> but like, I mean, there's definitely there are certain things. I think one of the differences is like, I'm going to tell a little story. So when I was yeah. four, I went to a Jew, I'm Jewish and I went to a Jewish preschool. And, uh, I, one time this girl who with no malice at all, 
asked her mom why my skin was dirty. Mm-hmm. No, like again, no. The family's not racist. This girl's very nice. Her parents are very nice. She just had never like seen An a black person before. Racist yeah, little child. And then also, and so my mom like freaked out. And the mom was like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry. Like she didn't mean that. I would never raise her to say that. It was all resolved." Um, and then also, uh, kids would tell me that I was adopted because my mom's white. And so people would be like, oh my God, your mom's not your real mom. Like you're adopted, all this stuff. Like not, I don't know if that's teasing or what the point of that is, but they would just yeah. say it all the time. And so I'd come home and be like, mommy, like, am I yours? Like, am I, was I adopted? And she's like, oh, well, no, like you're, I gave birth to you. You were my child. And I like was forced. I realized that I started confronting questions of my racial identity when I was four. Yeah. And like. That is something that none of my white classmates did. I mean, they were Jewish. There's like that whole thing, but they went to a Jewish school, so they didn't really have to confront that the fact that right. Jewishness meant otherness until they left that environment. Which some of them never did. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I think one of the difference, I think the main difference of privilege at a young, like, so it starts early, is that you just aren't cognizant of it that right. much. Like, I was thinking about race when I was four because I didn't look like my mom, and people decided to point that out to me, and there were no black Disney princesses, and like. You know, there are all these stereotypes on TV about, like, what it means to be black, what it means to be a woman. Yeah. Um, and so I've just been – not all people who are minorities or disenfranchised groups come to this realization because not that many people are that political. But it mm. forced me into this position of feeling I need to change it in some way. Like, even from when I was really little, I thought it was important for me to be, like, this, like, positive representation of, like, my people. Um, and I yeah. feel like white people aren't necessarily, like, inherently racist. Um, I mean, they definitely benefit from – like the system that's currently in place, so they're not like always that yeah. gung ho to change it. Like, we definitely have a racist track record. Well, there's a, we're definitely a racist track record. <laughs> and also, I feel like the thing is, it's not so much racism. It's like, hey, like it sucks that oh, racism's so bad. Black people not making that as much money as white people. No, no. But I don't, I don't want to lose what I have. That's I, my thing's good, so I don't want to, I don't want to mess with that. Mm. That's the thing. Is it's like what's happening to you is bad, and I can acknowledge that. But I'm don't acknowledge it enough to want to change what right. I'm doing. And so, like, that's wh- where I find a lot of, like, white people to be. And, like, I'm not necessarily, like, the kind of activist that's going, like, going on marches or whatever, like, trying to change that stuff. I'm more of, like, I'm going to write a slam poem and, like, I'm going to write this article. Like, I'm a pen is mightier than the sword person. Yeah. Um, But I definitely think black people just have more of a, an instinct for change because we're the ones that are, like, struggling. And, like, white people don't have the knee-jerk reaction to try to change stuff because it's not directly affecting them. It's difficult to sympathize with something that doesn't directly affect you. That's true across the board. Yeah. Like for me, even though I'm like super, uh, I'm like a big supporter of like LGBTQ rights. Like, yeah. I don't know if I'm as I don't. I know I'm not as passionate about it as someone who actually belongs to that community because it doesn't directly affect me as a straight person. And yeah. so like there's and you also like there's this point of like you, of this barrier that you can't cross of like understanding. Like as much as I want to sympathize with gay people about their plight, they're like, I'm not going to get it. And as much yeah. as like a gay white guy wants to sympathize with my plight, he's not going <laughs> to get it. Yeah. So it's like, a, there's just, a, there's a gap of understanding and like a, a convenience thing of like, but it's already so good for me. Like, it's sorry, but my life's pretty good. Yeah. Well, and, and just one thing that I find like, and I'm not trying to like demonize like white people, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I don't know. I just definitely as like a white guy, I just sort of like default to guilt or something like that, you know? Right. Um, but I find that in a lot of white culture, um, white culture, that's the thing. Like there is no white culture, <laughs> you know, or like white isn't an identity. You know what I'm saying? It's not like a community or something or it's like, ba- like it's bad if it ever is. <laughs> yeah, anytime white people get together and like talk about being white, it yeah. usually starts going downhill pretty fast. <laughs> I mean, I think part of that, that what stems from that is a system that again, that white people point in place is that, white is not racial and everything else is racial. Mm. And so like if we had a thing that everything was a race or that nothing was, then that w- dynamic would change, but because it's like 
white people are just like the de- white people are default white people are normal like and then like bl- and it's like a movie that's about white people is just a movie but a movie that's about black people is a black movie right um so that's probably why you have that feeling you just <laughs> are like this is just the world and then you were like oh wait why don't we talking about being white we shouldn't do that it's bad right well and, and just as a you know just a young person in general like looking for an identity you know what i'm yeah. saying like that's just one and like you're like you're right like i i didn't really start thinking about my race until like you know i grew up i, I didn't grow up around only white people but predominantly like probably predominantly Me white too. people i also grew up around <laughs> probably white people um but it's it's weird because like i mean race is a construction you know i have a sip of this I'm yeah sorry. absolutely please help yourself it was originally for you <laughs> i drank half of it um Race is a construction. Race is a <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, I just feel like even right now, like just as a white person just speaking about race, like like I'm not allowed to or something like that. That's another you know? problem that I found. Um let me put all my white problems on you. No, so you please can do. Them. I'm gonna I need to fix all your I need to fix all your white guy problems. Because sad. as a black person you can just exonerate me. Yes, I can't. All my I'm, white guys, hey, it's please. me, Jensen McCray spokesperson for black people, and I'm here to Help this white guy with his guilt, okay? Everyone join me on this journey. No, uh, I think, <laughs> I feel like a lot of, I feel like that's sort of become a, like a reaction as a result of like everyone like finally acknowledging racism as a problem is then like white people being like, now I can't talk about it. Now I can't talk about it. People are going to say I'm racist. Now I can't talk about it. I'm going to say the wrong thing. Well, that's I don't the know. thing. The fear of being racist, like, m- like I was talking about this the other day, like no one identifies with being racist, obviously. Some people do. Some people do. KKK is like, I'm racist. I'm racist. <laughs> We're super racist and it's fun. Yeah. But I, I think that like, I mean, that is obviously horrible. Yeah. And it's like, that's a very visible, horrible, bad thing. But I think which is what's much more insidious, which is what I come in, because I, I live in Los Angeles and like, you know. Me too. Progressive town. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's like the insidious racism where it's like, because it's not obviously like a, like people that just are so just clinging to the identity of not being racist you know what i'm saying I mean, like, okay there's i'm not racist i would never be racist or like prefacing things with i'm not racist but <laughs> then, then that's how you know you're about to get just slapped in the face <laughs> by a healthy dose of yeah guy. or just like just anytime race is involved it's just like oh don't be racist, or just this hyper consciousness of race or something like that there's a, just, an article that's the stuff that i feel like is so insidious and have I'm, you ever heard of I'm john interested. meta no he wrote an article called i racist which i i read over the summer because it came up on my facebook feed but also for my uh, ge last semester and he just talks about how, like, white people and black people have this sort of equal responsibility in the discussion of race, which is that um, white people need to, like, be... God, I wish I could, like, quote it better than I'm going to quote <laughs> it. But it's basically, like, white people need to stop, like, being so paranoid about, like, guilt. And, like, just That's be, and be a part of the conversation. Yeah. Oh, and black people need to not be silent. Because the problem is that, like... Black people feel pressured into being silent by white people who like feel uncomfortable, and then white people feel pressured into being silent because of the discomfort, their perceived discomfort that they feel. Yeah. Um. And like, it sort of touches on uh like some of the things I was talking about earlier, like how um like white people like don't want to change a system that already benefits them. Like even if they can acknowledge like oh this is bad, like they would never, they're not going to go out of their way to like alter the system in any significant way because it's like it their their lives are fine um but really the the most important takeaway i felt from it was that like black people like you have to speak up you can't just like give up when the conversation gets difficult and white people yeah. like you need to listen like that was like th- there's like this equal like responsibility like black people like it's not like uh, the problem of fixing racism is all on white people because if black people just and all people of color just like or like oh i don't like it's too hard it's too big of a problem it's this is that then it, no one's going to do anything about it and if white people are like i can't it's guilty i'm bad 
then that's not productive either. Yeah. So it's this meeting in the middle of like, we need to just fix this. This has been going on for hundreds of years. No one wants it anymore. Can we just get rid of it? Yeah. No, and I think a lot of that um, conversation like just has to be calling out like, you know, just talking about shit and, yeah. and and calling out things that are happening conscious and subconscious and just like, I don't know. I think we solved it. I think we I figured mean, it out. Uh, <laughs> everyone mark down the date and the time. Mac and Carolyn Jensen McRae just fixed racism Welcome in America. Welcome to race America. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> da, 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 da. That's a graduation theme, I think. We graduated into post-racism. <laughs> Welcome. Um, I have to pee a lot. Okay. Um, can I, I'm going to go do that. And yeah. then do you want to play a tune? I'll do that. Rock and roll. Rock forever. and roll. Thank you so much. This was for, great. Yeah. Thank you for doing this and talking about all the things. I have so many things. All right. I'm going to go pee. Yeah, we totally are just chatting. We're just chatting. I didn't get up. This is mic isn't going to be the piano mic in a second. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so Jensen. <laughs> hey there. Hey, pal. Uh, what tune are you going to play? It's called Girl from Los Angeles because I am a girl that's from Los Angeles. Rocking. Let's do it, man. Okay. Get in 
Los Angeles. <laughs> that was awesome, man. That was fucking great. Thank you. I'm gonna do that. There we go. Where can people find your music? There's a uh, some a little on SoundCloud, Ooh. which is just my name, Jensen McCray, and then I have a little some covers up on YouTube, Jensen McCray official, because there's so many imposters. <laughs> um, but I don't have that much stuff online. More coming soon. Yeah. Fuck I mean, yeah. I man. hope so. <laughs> Probably. That and look. Look out for the movie. Since feeling, there'll be a Facebook event because all of you guys are my friends. <laughs> <laughs> you got any shows coming up? Oh, goodness. Uh, the next one is probably the Songwriters in the Round on March 21st. And then the charity show that we are doing on the 26th. Of March? Of March. Okay. I got to write that <laughs> one down. Write it down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think. Oh, and I mean on this Wednesday is the spot that that's going to be done. Probably. Yeah, I think this will probably go up on Saturday. All right. Um, well, I w- did the pop midterm, and I was and great. you were great. Oh. I was amazing. Woo. Way and to show the midriff. Thank was- you. Midriff was rocking. <laughs> and wasn't it crazy when I crowd surfed? Woo. I was amazing. wild. Andy was so mad, but then yeah. he got into it, and he just and Patrice carried me out on her shoulders. All these things happened. Yeah, everyone cried. Woo. David Bowie came back from the dead and <laughs> chanted, prayed, cheered. Thank you for everything, dude. You're the best. Rock, we're both doing the rock on thing. Everyone picture the rock Everyone on thing. Everyone picture. Everyone do the rock on thing. Everyone do thing rock on thing. With your hand. The thing with the hand. Yeah, the, where the fingers? Do the, that. Yes. You're picturing it? Stop, you got it. Stop driving. Do it with both hands. Who's <laughs> <laughs> listening to this in the car? I. M- me. <laughs> <laughs> listening to your me, own podcast. Well, I have in the to car. edit it. I have to make sure okay. I didn't say okay. a bunch of racist shit. <laughs> so. I think you didn't. I would have probably been really uncomfortable and I'd remember, and I don't think you did. Okay, cool. You were like super non racist. It was Woo! so good. That's all I needed to hear. Yeah. No, but um, I do have to listen to them just to make sure that, uh, like, there's. Continuity. Continuity. I mean, I, I, it, they're not like hardcore. This is all super nonchalant. But um, 
I would prefer that it would be Chalant, but that's <laughs> keep it Rockin'. in. Keep it in. <laughs> I'll keep it all in. All right. Thanks, Jensen. Thanks, Mackin. Goodbye. Bye. And that's the show, friends. Hooray. We did it. Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks for sticking with us, man. This one was, this was a long one. This is the longest one we've done of the two. <laughs> um, this was the longer one, so uh, I hope you dug it, and uh, hope you're fucking, hope you're fucking hanging in there, friends. Everybody, take care. All right, so long. <laughs>